welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dillon Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up, webheads? Along with Paul Roshan, Dylan Bear, Ryan Griffin, I am Matt Bassett. We are Sports Carnage. Got a big week to discuss. The Lions got a last-second kick in the balls with the notice that their starting MVP caliber this year quarterback was not going to be playing against the Chicago Bears. Uh, we got Michigan versus Michigan State this week with not that much fanfare because the Spartans have definitely not done their part this season. New college football playoff rankings. Uh, some who's man, some picks, the usual shindig there. The end, of course, Grizzly takes. So let's dive right in. Uh, the Lions gave it their best effort without Matthew Stafford, who has been playing better than his ridiculous paycheck this year on a garbage-ass team. And so we all knew at that point there really was no shot. That spread basically tripled (laughs) for the Bears, and it wouldn't have mattered because without Matt Stafford, this Lions team really has no shot, even against a team as bad as your Chicago Bears, Dylan. Isn't isn't that the problem here? Is sitting here in year 5 million, it feels like, of the Bob Quinn era, that... Stafford was here. Stafford's been here for a decade. A decade. <laughs> decade. Uh, well, well before Bob Quinn's been here. Bob Quinn didn't have to do anything to draft a franchise quarterback. He was just given one, a very, very good one at that. And so what, what I would like to evaluate Bob Quinn on is what he's done with the rest of the team. That was his whole thing is we've had Stafford, and Stafford hasn't had any help. And so Bob Quinn is supposed to get him some help and make a good team. And the one cool thing about Stafford not being able to play for us is there's nowhere to hide. You don't have a really good quarterback to bail you out, and you really see what the rest of the roster is capable of. Well, the rest of the roster, let's look at the defense. A defense that he brought in a defensive guru head coach, Matt Patricia, spent ridiculous amount of cap building a defensive line Plenty of draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. High draft picks like Tease Tabor and Gerard Davis. Uh, ironically, his best defensive draft pick, Deshaun Hand, was a fourth rounder. And yet, they allowed Mitchell Trubisky to tear them apart. To have a passer rating of, I don't know, like 131. To throw for three touchdowns. Mitch Trubisky. Well, that's what the Lions do. They turn miserable quarterbacks into Pro Bowl lookalikes. They've done that forever. You go look at years past where quarterbacks had their best game of the year or career. The Detroit Lions is the team they do it against. That's just that's just status quo. What about the O-line? Because I know Bob Quinn has spent money on the O-line. I know he spent draft picks on the O-line. How did that look? Did that open holes for the running game? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did that give poor Jeff Driscoll all day to throw the ball? No, definitely not. So what has Bob Quinn done in the last four or five years? He got rid of Der- of uh, a few key players and a few not-so-key players and replaced them with not-so-key players. What are we doing? <laughs> what, what are we doing here? We are... Sm- 
sitting in hell slash uh, limbo like we have for 50 years. I, I mean, what is the justification for keeping anybody around? Well, I mean, the justification is if they win, then they didn't have their quarterback. No, I well, I mean, so then you can yeah. bring, so then you can bring everybody back. But also, but how do you how do you justify getting rid of a coach every three years? They, they well, if the winning. coaches suck, I don't mind getting rid of them. But if you do it every with, three years, how are you supposed to have any kind of stability to build well, on so anything? So I, I get the I well, get if the you, if you get a good coach, you're not going to get rid of him in three years. But how so do you know if he's going to be good in three years? Some three coaches years. take a little while. I get the continuity thing, but at the end of the day, you have to have a roster, a real roster, to evaluate your coach for the most part. But you can look at things a coaching staff does, regardless of what they have. It, whether it's the time management, the in-game decision-making, how you utilize the players you have, your adjustments, or as we've seen, lack thereof. Uh, there's plenty of things that even though the roster hasn't been there that you can say, wow, this isn't what we expected it to be. It's time to move on. But at the end of the day, I'm far less concerned with the coaching situation than I am with the roster makeup. And if you do the thing you need to do and bring in a new GM, you're getting a new coaching staff regardless. They're not keeping them. So... That part, it doesn't really matter. But I just don't... You guys know that I've kind of called for Bob Quinn's job for years. I, I never did like him, and every single decision he's made has just reinforced that. I mean, he doesn't do anything even at an average level. He spends dumb money in free agency. He does not evaluate talent well. He does not get value in the NFL draft. All the things that make a good GM a good GM, he does none of them. So I don't know what he does do that justifies having a job in the NFL, besides that he was a part of the Patriots organization for a few years and won some rings. Congratulations. I Let's start hiring their ball boys, too. I mean, it's just stupid. And I guess the part that's most frustrating for me is everyone talks about the franchise sucks, the owners suck, they can't win games, it's been the same thing for 60 years. What's going to change? No one is talking about firing Pop Quinn. And for three years now, he's been an absolute clear-cut problem to this franchise. He has not done anything to move us to the next level. I, he came in here, fired Jim Caldwell after a year, which I was happy, I didn't like him. It was like 9-7 and seven is not good enough. And it wasn't. We could have been better. But all he did was dismantle the team and not build anything in its place. We, The Lions are pretty much a scrap heap of the Patriots, the Giants, and Seattle. That's what our team is built on. Like just all their throwaway players. What are we doing? We're going nowhere fast. I mean, you've been here for four years. What is your, what direction are we headed in? What, what are the good, positive things you've done? What do we have to hang our head? The only thing the Lions have is Matthew Stafford, and he was already here. He drafted Galladay and got snacks. But, I mean, snacks other than that, been garbage. You know, Bob Quinn has been, he's garbage now. But, I mean, at the time, everyone thought it was a great trade to pull off. Uh, you know, and they fleeced the Giants, if you will. Obviously, snacks hasn't been as good this year as he was even the back half of last year. But Bob Quinn's just bad in general. So, you know, asking what he's done, that's why it needs to go away because he hasn't done 
anything, and he hasn't done obviously what those who empowered him, you know, Rod Wood, Martha Ford, whoever. He hasn't done what they've expected, and I hope to Christ that uh, that Doug Karsh is right and that Martha's not happy with the job of Bob Quinn and the job of Matt Patricia and that she's thinking of cleaning house um, sooner rather than later. So we're all in agreement. Bob Quinn's got to go, and if Bob Quinn goes, coaching staff goes, you're redoing everything. That brings you to what do you do with Matt Stafford? And you guys know. I'm the biggest Matt Stafford fan in the world. I, I absolutely think he's a clear-cut top-five quarterback in the NFL. I think he's beyond elite, and I think he's been hamstrung by a complete shit organization. Uh, he's hurt right now, which is only served to show just how flawed that we are. It, it, but really, when you're 3-4-1 and one with your quarterback playing the way he played this year, how does that not show how ridiculously flawed you are? You can't get better quarterback play and yet we still had a losing record unbelievable what do you do with him do you so it, the easy thing that a lot of people will say well you ship him you're, you're doing a complete rebuild you get what picks you can this is a really good quarterback heavy draft get your quarterback of the future and move on but to play devil's advocate quarterbacks play longer than ever now and stafford his Unless show for Luck. whatever yeah, unless you're Andrew Luck. Stafford, for whatever reason, has shown that he wants to play and keep playing. And I don't know why, but you could easily make a case that Stafford's got eight years left. So do you, do you say, hey, he's on a kind of team-friendly deal for a while. Maybe the next GM's going to want to keep him and see if he can build around him. Or do you really think that just tear everything down and completely start over? I think you tear everything down because it's very uh, – you're, you're being very generous in saying that you can easily make a case that he has eight years left. But two, you're – obviously you haven't gone anywhere with him. And if you tear everything down around him, we've already seen that story play out, you know, ever since he's been in Detroit where the team is just not very good and then they make the playoffs once every three or four years. And I also think that his back is kind of fucked. And you've heard it kind of all week. A uh, broken back isn't something that just heals, and I know he's playing great this year, but a dude coming off of, and I don't know if it's the same injury or a different part of his back that's broken or fractured or whatever, I'm not just going to continue to bank that that's something you're going to be able to play with for the rest of your career. So if I can ship him out, and uh, you know, this is something that Valeni brought up, but you've seen it other other places too, is you know, draft a quarterback this year, and uh, in the first round, have him sit a year like Rodgers did, like Mahomes did, and then the year after, or that offseason after, you trade Stafford, and then you, you know, kind of just bring in the uh, the new the new hope and the new regime with that quarterback, and just see see what you can get there. And that's not something that I'm um, that I'm against. I'm I wanted to draft Dwayne Haskins. Well, I was open to them drafting Dwayne Haskins. There's a couple players that I wanted them to draft. But, you know, I wouldn't have been mad if they picked up Haskins last year and then, you know, just kind of did that situation this year and let Stafford mentor him for a year or two. And then you get rid of Stafford, and then now you have the new guy that's hopefully, you know, if you say quarterbacks play longer than ever, you know, the guy that's hopefully your franchise quarterback for the next 12 or 15 years. And it might not work out, but you can get other assets with it. And then at least you, at least you know that you have a clear direction. And if the direction is bad, obviously you kind of change course. But we've seen 
kind of how far Matthew Stafford can take us, especially if you're tearing everything down around him. I mean, I was all aboard the draft Haskins train last year, too. Uh, not, again, obviously anything I have against Stafford. I love Stafford, and he's going to really gut, gut, big gut check when he does leave here, if he ever does. But I want to see him go somewhere real and actually win something. I, I, it's, I'm super over watching him flounder legitimately in top three worst organizations in all of sports. And there's so many teams that could utilize him certainly much better than we can. It's quite pathetic what we haven't done while he's been here. It's really an abomination and a travesty. But my issue is, I don't, if we do all that, what hope do you have for the future? Do you really? I, I mean, I guess you're you're <laughs> the trying same to stop politics, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Matt hasn't had hope in 25 years. But you're the trying hope to stockpile picks and hope that you nail your next GM. I and mean, that's that's really the hope is you're not placing any hope on what you've seen from anybody that's currently with the organization. You're hoping correct. that they make a good hire <laughs> moving forward. I mean, it's it almost is like having an expansion franchise. You're kind of starting from the ground up. No, Pretty much nobody on this team would look to be a key component of the future in four it's years Kenny, when you're baby. trying to be competitive. Uh, not even Kenny Galladay, because in two years you're going to have to pay him. And it won't make any sense for where this team mm. is at in two years. So not even him, would I say, would be a component of that future. There are very few people on this current team that I would envision still being here in five, six years, if that's the route that you go down. Uh, realistically, if you're going to do this, look at the Miami Dolphins. That's your plan. You're going to become the Miami Dolphins for a hot minute. You're the two in Miami Dolphins. <laughs> you're going to broom out everybody <laughs> that has a pulse. For the most part, uh, some of them that they shipped off uh, – Kenyon Drake, I thought, was kind of pointless to ship, especially for what they got for him. But for the most part, they're doing it right. Um, ship off your guys that aren't going to be part of the future and really tear down and rebuild from the beginning. But you have to have, first of all, GM. It makes no sense to do while Bob Quinn is still here. You have to get a quarterback in the draft. But depending on where we finish this year, if Stafford comes back, I mean, this team could win four or five more games and really screw their draft position. So now the only way you're getting a quarterback is if you trade Stafford for picks and then put up a stupid package to move up in the draft. This sucks. I, Dylan wanted to do something tonight called the Misery Index. He wanted to take stock of where all of our garbage teams were. This is depressing because... <laughs> Why? Well, I didn't want to do this. We did depressing so last week. <laughs> It's so just mind-numbingly stupid. And you're sitting here and it's like, your maybe best move is to become the Miami Dolphins for four years. Who wants to watch that, man? I don't want to watch that. But I also don't want to watch what we have. So, I mean, if I have a choice, but you got to get rid of Bob Quinn. Gut check. Do you guys think they get rid of Bob Quinn at the end of the season? Yeah, because I think they're going to bottom out. I don't see them winning a lot more games, and I hope to God that they put Stafford on the IR so then he just doesn't play the rest of the year. I, I don't know how they get rid of Bob existence. Quinn unless they also get rid of Matt Patricia. 
And I don't know if they're going to do that when it's only Patricia's second year. And well, I don't think that's relevant. Well, I don't know how you're going to bring in a GM and then say, yeah, but we're going to keep the same coach that wasn't this you GM's you, you won't do that. They, they will bring in a GM and they'll let him do whatever he wants and he will get rid of the coach. I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, how many coaches get fired off one? one no, I know. It's, I, it's not a – it's whatever. Now, yeah. I get the continuity thing, but the Lions aren't in a place to – need continuity at this point. I mean, if we're... No, the Lions need... I mean, I've said this for for a very long time, a very, very long time, that the the day I really start believing in this team, outside of the Ford selling the team, which I don't know when that's going to happen, but is when they bring in a real head coach. And when I mean a real head coach, I mean a real experienced head coach with a history of winning See, and even, not not a care. Steve Mariucci with a short burst history of winning that he had at San Francisco, but I mean a real one, like bringing in like a Bill Parcells like head coach that can change you everything. You're not, not going to get Bill Cowher or Tony I'm, Dungy I'm to come coach your team. You why not? You throw enough history. money at them, why not? Shh. We're not going to do this. We've already gone age. down that road. Bill Cowher has been rumored to be a coach for I, for 15 ten years. years. I know. <laughs> there is I would nobody love for in the that world to come to the that team. thought Mariucci wasn't a good hire. It didn't work out, but we cannot go down this path of oh, it didn't work out, so let's flame it. Everyone thought Mariucci was a home run hire. It didn't work. Shit happens. But I don't really care who the coach is, especially for a while. I do. We've never had one. We have when never have a had a real head that coach. Matters. If you're blowing everything up, it doesn't matter. You don't have a team that matters. It's Super Bowl so appearing what coach is the Tim point Carlo. of blowing shit up what if you're going to bring in another unproven head coach that you're not sure what he brings to the table? What is the point of that? Be- because he might expedite the process. So the it might be most good. important thing. <laughs> the Sean, important Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. The, exactly. Well, you don't know. The most important thing is to have a GM because – any coach in the NFL, outside of maybe Jeff Fisher, if you build the roster, they will win games and win a ton of them. You need a GM first and foremost. And if you get a real GM who builds a real roster, if that coach sucks, he will replace him and eventually hire the right coach. You're right, we haven't had one in forever. But that doesn't mean that you don't take a risk. Literally on the next forever. Thing. We have never I just had cannot one. I can't get caught up on a coaching hire when we're not trying to win a Super Bowl next I year. I can because I think it plays absolutely into the culture of losing that the Detroit Lions organization has been for 50-plus years. But all you the experienced coaches, they're, they're all losers, which is why they're not coaching anymore. I mean, yeah. you brought in Steve Mariucci. So would you, so so you bring in a losing experience hey, Hang on. Where, what has Steve Mariucci done since? Not a damn thing, because the Lions TV. is where careers go to die, apparently for head coaches as well as players. I have a question. But didn't Jim Schwartz let's, win a Super let's, Bowl? Let's do this. As a defensive coordinator. Let's do this, well, still something. I have a question, Actually, Matt. I don't know. Who Did he? Top, Was who, he? Who are your top three coaches in the NFL? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that because I'm not going to use that much brain power right now. No, no. Just, it doesn't, the top three it doesn't have to. We're not okay, getting so, Bill Belichick. No, no, no. Here. That no, no, man stop, would not stop. give up no, his no. legacy to come to the You're misunderstanding. Let's not do top three. He's Give here before. me three coaches that you really like in the NFL that you'd love that caliber of coach to come to Detroit. Yep, I mean, he was I, a Super Bowl champion. I mean, obviously, Good for you, just, Jim Schwartz. Just name three coaches for me. <laughs> obviously, Belichick. Boom. What about um, Sean Payton? I, I love Sean. I love Sean Bill Payton. Bill. I, I don't. Right, Sean Payton. I just don't know how great he's really been in New Orleans because I think there's been some wasted years what? there. 
We're wasting well, Drew Brees. Give me three Prime. great coaches in the NFL. I mean, there's 32 coaches. If you can't pick out three, it's really hopeless. I think I, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Like, a lot of the guys that I thought were going to be, like, I mean, Mike Tomlin has fallen off a lot in my eyes over the last four or five years. So, the reason but he that I been asked you, and it wasn't to show you how bad the coaching state is in the NFL, but I think somehow we've done that as well. What did Bill Belichick do before oh, getting Kendrick? He got in the Browns what to did, the playoffs for the first time in freaking forever before they shipped the team the, out. With the losing record he had in Cleveland and got fired, what did Sean McVay do before the Rams? What did Kyle Shanahan do? What did Sean Payton do? What did any of these coaches do? You, you say you want to get an established coach, an established coach from where? You want to pull Nick Saban out? We already saw how that went. No, no, no. I'm good well, on that's that. That's not well, that's the same. I'm, that was so long. But that's what I'm saying. All of these coaches you would consider great coaches – they didn't have this great track record before they went to their current successful stop. Because that's the thing. If you have this track record, you're not leaving. You're going to stay coaching the same team. The biggest argument you can make in all the NFL of an established coach is Andy Reid. And they ran him out in Philly. And I know I can just imagine how much we'd love Andy Reid's clock management here. No, definitely not. But all the other stuff he brings, I'd love. My point is... You can't say you want to go get an established coach. That's not how it works. You never get an established great coach. They're not available. I mean, so, the Chiefs went and got one. Andy Reid. Yeah. What did I just say? Well, what's, what's the problem? Apparently, it can be done. So you just got to wait until John Harbaugh gets ran We've out of We've been waiting Baltimore. for 50 years. <laughs> I, what you really have to do is when stupid rumors, or not even rumors, when agents start putting out things of coaches might be available for trade, that's what you got to do. I was hugely in favor of trading for John, Har- John Harbaugh a year ago when he was on the rocks in Baltimore. And so Lamar came and saved his it was, career. It was going around that he could be had for a high draft pick that they would have let him go to a diff- different organization. That's really thinking outside the box, but that's not that important. The Lions got to blow this up. And whether it's Stafford stays or not isn't really that important. The job's easier with Stafford. If I was coming, if I was given the GM job, I keep Stafford because I know I have a four-year window to make something happen or I'm losing my job. And it's a lot easier when I say, wow, I already have Matthew Stafford, then I have to use all these resources and hope that I hit on a quarterback. So, and I, I think a good GM should be able to build around him. But if you really want to blow this thing up from the beginning, I got no problems with that either. But they got to do something different. You talk about different. Michigan State needs to do something different. And this season has gone about as poorly as you could have imagined it going. More poorly, really. I mean, I don't think anyone in a million years would have said Michigan State's going to lose to Arizona State and Illinois this season. But they did. And everyone, just much like the Lions, is ready to blow this up. Uh, different is the fact that Michigan State at least has had success in recent history. Lions don't know anything about that. But everyone's ready to blow it up in Michigan State. And their very terrible no-good season was capped by blowing a 25-point lead to Illinois this past week. It was, I mean, it was a travesty. It was just, there's no, you could sit here and analyze that game for three hours and still not figure out how exactly that happened besides 
terrible luck, terrible game management, terrible play, terrible everything. Uh, you left your, I mean, I mean, really, not to get into concussions, but that kind of turned the game. You got Brian Lewerke, who can't even stand up on his own, and you leave him in the game, and he immediately throws a pick six. Michigan State comes to Ann Arbor this week. And in the for the past, I don't know, eight years at least, you guys would say it's been considered a pretty big game, right? Uh, yeah, not only that. Apparently, when it comes to playing Michigan, it's our favorite place to play them. In Ann Arbor, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, since Harbaugh's taken over, the road team has won all four games. You guys think that trend maybe stops this year? No, but let's keep it going, baby. No. <laughs> Joe Bocci be damned. I'm just thinking of the crazy, po- the somehow crazy possibility that somehow Michigan State actually wins this game when Michigan fans would beat I Could you imagine Michigan fan? Like this bad of a state team beating Michigan. I mean, Michigan, Michigan fan was ready to fire Harbaugh after a Wisconsin game. They were really ready to fire Harbaugh after they had to drop pass and couldn't complete the comeback against Penn State. And at least Notre Dame kind of brought some people back from the ledge. Could you imagine losing this game to Michigan State? Just a fan reaction. Well, let's make it happen. All I know is if Michigan State wins this weekend, I hope there's no random drug test the following week at Spartan Stadium. Because the whole damn <laughs> well, team took steroids. Well, that's not going to matter anyway. <laughs> yeah, what? I, uh, I mean, your team, your team has been gutted a little bit. Uh, we got Joe Bocci out for PEDs. Nobody's really surprised about that. You have had some extracurricular injuries. You lost a tight end now. I mean, when did he go down last week? It wasn't early in the game, was it? I think it was. I, I don't remember it standing out. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Not even watching. No one's even watching these games anymore. It would have been a. It would have been a much bigger story that they blew the lead to Illinois had anyone seen it happen. Where is Dylan? Is Dylan alive? Yeah, he's here. He just has no interest in talking about any of this. In fairness, you led off with who would have guessed that this would have happened. Uh, I did. A long time ago. A very long time ago. In March or January. I keep forgetting when that presser was. I knew this was coming. Yeah, you were super upset at the time. And then, I don't know. Two months ago, when I the stated, started, and if you we listen to the nine games. and if we listen to the tape, I said that it was just as likely that they go ten and two as if they go six and six. And oh man, what's gonna happen? They're going to go six and six, or I hope, pray that it's five and seven. But again, I've emotionally checked out. Can we out. talk yeah, about how Dylan's the worst of fans because he's actively oh, rooting for his off. team to no, lose? That's not, see, the that's the not fuck fair. God, he is that's actively rooting for shit. his team to lose. You got See, that's not me that's that. not fair My at all. God. So he is you, what, for you rooted future. you wanting to root for this team is so pathetic. You he can't is, be the is. worst of fans if you're not a fan anyway. Oh. I, That's just some loser mentality bullshit. Because you want, so yeah, no, you want to you want to root for a six and six bowl game, so you, so we could go the quick like quick lane bowl or whatever. That's what you want. That's what uh, these years have given you. That's what you want to do. In fairness, that is something I wanted to mention, which is much more interesting. Which 
I don't think Ryan is as much of a as a much of a criminal for this, but apparently Matt sure as shit is. Your complicity, every single one of us with this, is why this shit got here. We didn't ask for more, and this is what we get, and this is what we deserve. And Paul called it, to his credit. He called this back in 2016, and I did agree with him. This shit was going down. He called it right after the playoff. Stated, it, it, not on these airwaves, but stated, Michigan State was going to go back in the shitter. We were. N- this was a flash in the pan, and we were going to be losers again. Now, his reasoning for it, I don't agree with, because I don't think that is, is a consistent state for us. We can get out of this again, but it's still true. And I think that the mentality that Matt is espousing right now, and that Ryan on occasion has been guilty of as well, is exactly why we got here. We get what we deserve. Rooting for our team to win? That's a so, loser as so, shit. So here's the problem that I think you're that sounds like every wrong. fan in the world, but okay. Is you can justify both. I mean no, you Dylan can't. is 100% justified. He is rooting for a brighter future. And the worse this fire burns, uh, I mean if we can get it up to San Francisco, SoCal levels. Yes, I'm aware those aren't the same places. It was SoCal that burned last year. Oh my God! Keep move on, please. Well, I don't want Matt from the West Coast to come in like. He hasn't said anything yet, so why don't we move on? That's true. He doesn't ever say anything. Oh my! Matt can root for his team though. No, he can't. Matt gets to root for his team. Yes, he does. Him rooting for it is exactly how we got here. He well, is the reason this is happening. How we That's got here. Stop, 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 stop. You act like I'm out there campaigning for saying that Mark's doing a phenomenal job and what y'all are crazy and we shouldn't you be want talking about that. No, but I'm rooting for Ryan, my team on, to hold on. win. So, <laughs> so you guys have already lived through three and nine <laughs> quite idiots. recently. And I, not me. Will you relax? I said you're fine. Why not? Don't use plural. There's only one of us attacking you. Relax. Ryan is on record stating that he thinks no matter how the rest of the season goes, D'Antonio's done. He's not coming back. I said that before the season started, and I wasn't the only one who was saying it. So, if you already think that you are getting complete change and a complete new everything, there's no reason that you can't root for the the rest of these games to be as painless as possible. Disagree. And to end the season on a high note. So here's the thing. First of all, I, I, I ask what's left to play for. There's a bowl game left to play for, which you don't want to partake in. Shut I know. up. There is ruining Michigan to an extent. If, if, in, if I was in your shoes, or this was Ohio State in Michigan was doing what they're doing, or doing what you guys are doing, I get the wanting it all to just burn bright. So that it just completely crumbles and you literally are starting from the ashes. But the satisfaction that state fans would be able to have, not just for your team beating Michigan, but the fallout, what it would do, that's not pathetic because it's enjoyable to watch the suffering of a fan base you Hold on, hold on. So we, we, you have a, okay, so. We talk, we talk, and we've talked about the definition before, but in my eyes, there is brother, yes. nothing more little brother than getting satisfaction out of ruining Michigan's season. So you don't understand. That's so, so fucking pathetic. Problem. That's so, so sad. 
that, that's what you want to hang up, no, hang no. your hat on. No, no, what little brother would be is getting glee out of Ohio State destroying Michigan. Okay, fine. When you are the one who's doing it, when you, in the midst of a garbage season, is the one who destroys pathetic. Michigan, that is something you See, can take You say it's pathetic, but now, this is literally college culture and that's has what sports been college is, right? culture that's rivalry for is. decades. Now, what would be pathetic, and I think what you're confusing it with, is if, if at the end of the season... If you beat Michigan, say, I mean, win out realistically because if you beat Michigan, I mean, you're not losing to Rutgers in Maryland whether you beat Michigan or not. So you'd win out, maybe win a bowl game, whatever. What would be pathetic is declaring the season a success. Nope. You can't do that. You can't say nope. because we beat Michigan, it's a success. Uh, really? I, oh, I, I don't think pathetic. anybody would say that. But I, mean, I, I agree. I'm, but I'm, I'm saying I don't care about this because I think that we already have now determined something that's very simple, which is that. Michigan State fans are divided in two different camps. We have Matt and the loser-ass motherfuckers that still want to go into Spartan Stadium and root on this team or get excited about beating Michigan because they are content. I am no longer content. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to accept that. So hold on. I'm done. I'm not going back to to Paul and Don. I'm, Dylan, I'm not going right back now, to John L. Usually, and you, you are, want Dylan, to go back to that. Please, You've Dylan, already mediated so enough. Usually, I don't need you towing the line anymore. Uh, this is a zero-sum game. This. You are arguing a very real straw man right now. Nobody is saying... Matt is saying it in front of us right now. He said he's rooting for his not. team that doesn't make nothing you nothing of the kind. You can so keep twisting it in your twisted-ass mind of what so, my words mean, but I literally never said any of that shit. All I said was, you are actively rooting for your team to lose, and I am still actively rooting for my team to win. Because I think, along with the terms with Ryan saying, that Mark is gone regardless. And at this point, no one is going to be delusional enough to go, well, we won out. So maybe he's figuring it out. No, no, no. We are done with this. It's time to move if, forward. If only the season but I'm still was five rooting for my team to win their fucking games. The reason why your attitude is as toxic and poisonous to our goal, to if your goal is aligned with mine, if that's the case, the reason that that's such a toxic-ass attitude is that if you truly, truly did not want it to get to this point if you didn't want to revert to john allen back to the mean which is what has happened and it's i would argue worse if you are wanting the expectation of what we had accomplished and keeping it that way by the sheer nature of you saying oh well we'll just win because mark let's just mark's leaving anyway you should be beyond angry it's gotten to this point because your expectation should be more the fact that you are uh, it's fine mark's leaving if we win we win no i'm pissed as fuck at this guy he should suffer for what he's done okay, so, but why and i'm glad should the kids that's suffer? happening why should the kids suffer because in your mind you want the kids to suffer you I want them to go out there and get Great. ass blasted I mean, wh- and lose their game. Suffer is more of like a human issue than just a football fan issue. So I completely do different. not accept what Mark has done. I said it already. He wants this to burn, and if anything, the pe- person you should be mad at is no not me. When those kids are in those situations, you should be mad at that coaching staff and at but him for getting them there. For them to lose. 
I am rooting for him to get the hell out. Dylan, I have a quick question. Would you say that above all, emotions aside, you want what's best for the program going forward, correct? The best for the program is for everyone involved to be gone. And I they agree, won't 100%. do and they will not do that. I will tell you right now, they will not do that unless Every single game is as painful as possible because so the that, irony is the quote in 2007 it actually didn't apply to Michigan. It applied to Mark. And now the fall has come. It hurts and everyone associated with this man is suffering for it. And the only one that we have to blame is him. I do not feel bad for my opinion. I will not apologize for wanting more. It is this coaching staff's so fault. They are the reason for their suffering. To apologize, and I cannot blame you for your reaction, but what I will say is it's an emotional one, which is not a slight. This is college sports. It's all about emotion. That's what makes college sports great. So I'm not picking on you when I say this, but to look at this from a more logical, rational spot, taking the emotion out of it, the fact that, listen, I get you 100%. Mark D'Antonio built something that most people did not expect to happen, but because of his hubris, he has actively wasted it and is now destroying it. And I completely understand wanting it to just crumble in the worst way possible. But if we want what's truly best for the program, as I said at the beginning of the year, as Ryan and Matt currently believe, Mark D'Antonio is gone no matter what happens the remainder of the year. He is completely checked out. You want to look at your most recent recruiting class. I know you guys signed a really big-time recruit late recently. You got a quarterback. Um, you fought really hard against the Mac schools and were able to come out on top for a quarterback commit. I believe he's ranked... 800th in the country, somewhere around there. And uh, you got a receiver who is unranked across most recruiting services. What is the point of this? Why are the you doing this? The point of this is Coach D'Antonio's playing on the strip. He is playing out the string right. He knows he's not going to be here. He's not here next year. He's filling up the spots so that the next coach has a roster, whether it's good or bad, but he's done. He has no plans to coach past this year. So if we want to talk about what's best for this program, if you were to somehow upset Michigan, and then you're going to win your next two games, so you're going to finish 7-5 and five on the season, you're going to get kind of a crappy bowl game, but it's okay because, not that it's okay, that that came out a little bit too roses and sunshine, but it's it's much better than it looked. And if you can finish with a bowl win, 8-5, and five, oh you God, probably stop. end up you probably end up ranked because you beat a decently regarded Michigan team on the road and a solid team in a bowl to finish the season. Coach D'Antonio is still retiring, and he gets to go out with whatever dignity is left, which I know you and most no. of us agree is pretty much none, but that's not what's important. What is important is the perception of your program. I am going, going to – no, it's okay. So I'm going to – I got to twist coach. this because you're, you're talking about – emotions and everything and i'm tired of this hypothetical because there's a reason that this needs to be as bad as it is and we talked about it during our coaching search when we had this discussion before the reason i need this to be as extreme as it is is i can't really think of a really good a really good metaphor for it all i can say is the reason i need it to be this ugly is because number one i need bill beekman to no longer have a job as well i want the president 
and the boosters and anyone of substance in the program to look at this individual, see that he is spineless, see that he will do nothing, and know he is not the man to lead this program into the future. And I also am, as I said before, severely worried that someone associated with Mark is going to take his place. If it's ugly, and if it's as bad as possible, at the very least, the worst case scenario, if Beekman is still around, he has no choice but to pick someone who is not associated with this staff. I need that to happen. We cannot have Mike Tressel or anyone on this staff take over. Mark can have no say. And if it's embarrassing and it's painful and it makes the program look like dirt, it won't happen. That is the only hope we have. But if the program looks like dirt, how are you? We all agree for the most part to varying. I, I mean, I'm more on one side than you are, but we can all agree to varying degree that this, especially right now, is not an extra attractive job opening. And if you bottom out and go 5-7 and seven and miss a bowl game, and you're talking about two of the last three years, now you have a 5-7 and seven season and a 3-9 and nine season, it makes it all... The, you have no hope going into next season. You lose everybody. You have no talent on the roster. We're getting there regardless of record. Spot. I think that's what you're forgetting. Getting but, where? Perception is getting important. who with that where it is going to be even harder to convince a coach of if substance. we are going if we go out like you said let's even say a seven and six record like because they're not beating Michigan that's not happening so I agree. so sure. if they go seven and six okay that means there is a higher likelihood that Mark is going to dictate the next hire, and I would argue that is substantially worse than us bottoming out and trying to crawl out of it. See, I, We're getting just, to the crater anyway. You just, just want buy. it to go a different way. Well, I don't buy the fact that a couple wins or losses here at the end of the season are going to dictate whether Mark gets to hire the next coach or not. I, mean, I don't we, think he gets to hire him. I think they'll ask for his and uh, Izzo's blessing. Which but I don't know that he's going to be able to handpick somebody. But that's why it being so ugly would force Beekman to do something he won't do of his own volition. I mean, at the end of the day, we all know your old coordinator is coming back. He's coming down from the booth into Spartan Stadium. Narduzzi? Yep. No. Is that like a, no, I don't want it to happen, or no, it's not going to happen? It's not Dylan's going to about. happen. <laughs> that's why? not happening. Because, again, the likelihood of pick is either someone completely unassociated or someone deeply associated, more than Narduzzi. See, it's, going we... to be, it's going to be Mike Tressel or an outsider, one of the two. See, there's a lot of layers to this, which when Coach D steps down at the end of the season, we'll address a lot more. Because You're obviously... assuming that he's stepping down, which I I mean, I've, I assumed that before the season. I would be absolutely shocked if he was coach next season. I don't. He's a prideful, very, old, pathetic. Man. I would be very saddened if that. I don't was know, his the body case. language I, these last couple of weeks makes it look more and more like he's done. He doesn't look like he's. He still up the do that. Uh, that what he's like questioning or deposition? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think he's coming back after that. that. I don't want to go and Dylan, which is fine. It's no big deal. But Dylan really took this in a direction that I didn't plan on going. Because regardless of what happens with Coach D at the end of the season, regardless of how much of a dumpster fire the program's been, there is a game to play in Ann Arbor this week. And I I don't think any of us 
think there's even a chance Michigan State can shock the world? It's not even close. Do you guys? Does I mean, there is. There absolutely is. You guys oh, have had God. turnover issues this Don't year. Don't attack And if those Dylan. turnover oh. issues turn up in this game, we do absolutely have a chance. You cannot bet us. We've always talked about these things. You cannot bet on our injuries and turnovers. But we're not betting right now. We're just discussing. If you guys revert to how you played the first few weeks of the season where you couldn't hold on to the damn ball to save your life, then there's absolutely a chance that we can stay in this football game and possibly win it. Do I think that's going to happen? No. Absolutely not. I think you guys win this football game 31 to 10, 31 to 9. We might even get in the end zone. Just three field goals. Like I, that's the way I feel this game is gonna go. But is there a chance if you guys can't hold on to the football like you've shown early in the season to not be able to do? Then absolutely. If our Did you defense say can Michigan punch State's the ball out, kick three field goals. Yeah. <laughs> Coglin can't make three field goals. You hold on. That's you true. really think that Michigan is gonna turn the ball over in their own territory three times? No. Who said that? You said they're going to kick three it's, field goals. It's you, a bad oh, joke. Oh, are we getting back but, to what you I mean, if you, That was out? such a poor joke. My God. <laughs> I mean, just the way you phrase it, if you say there's a chance, obviously, yes. No. Is it likely? Not. No. no. I put a percentage on it. One in 20? Uh, this is going to be That's That's a though. weird way to do percentages, but... Look, nobody... Ex- I there was probably, a chance with Andrew know, Maxwell at quarterback. There's a chance with Brian Lewerke at quarterback. No, there's not, because he's probably still concussed. But you're neither here he nor there. He might still be concussed, but we'll never know, right. because he never went for a concussion eval. By the way, he said he's not feeling good. Concussion nobody, nobody seems to remember 2002's game, because, like, for obvious reasons, it was god-awful. Is that 49-3? to Yes, that is what is going to be. I remember that game. That is what Saturday is going to be. It is going to be the worst state loss in this quote quote rivalry in some I don't know if that's I, I really don't believe that I mean one they haven't done a lot of losing one they haven't done a lot of losing in that time sorry to cut you off Matt but You're two good. at least when they've lost under D'Antonio they haven't lost by ungodly amounts right and we when haven't given up a 14. 25 point t- 25 point lead either but this is a year of first for us so I mean even Ohio State only beat you 34 to 10 yeah, yeah and that was the at gas. the big. That was at the beginning of the season. Again, Wisconsin when, beat us with thirty still, to zero. We still had hope. Zero, that one was pretty bad. Look, we still had hope. They this team has lost four games in a row and just lost at home with no crowd and gave up twenty five point lead. To be how fair, do you three think of those that, games were against top ten? How do you I, think I that this Michigan team's going to come 40, out of this? If that's what you want to, yeah. that's what you want to <laughs> throw your money on. <laughs> I don't know if the, if I think weirdly enough I think that Jim Harbaugh is going to be really respectful about this and I don't want him to. I like as <laughs> what I, on no, God I'm being makes a, you think Jim Harbaugh? I'm serious. I really I know, think I'm he actually, is. I'm actually with Dylan. I have I, so, I so, think he knows that. It, I think Notre he's Dame with game. Matt and he or sorry with uh, Paul and I think that he knows that Mark is done and he's going to kind of do a whole like uh you're, you know respectful warrior kind of thing. You know, oh, toss so him the so sword. McCaffrey you know, in the Notre Dame game, Michigan was actively trying to score until the end. Right. I, I don't do think that they, think they got that their pound happen. of flesh. And I, I agree with Dylan. I do not think he's going to try to stick it up to Coach D's ass. Like nah. I, I don't think he's going to be a prick about it. I if do this think... team was able to fight more, I think that they would. But this is going to be such an awful, painful, demoralizing game on one side. That there's just, I just, 
there's there's no chance that they are going to do that because it'd be the same thing as seeing like you're it, it's the equivalent of fighting a leopard like you're not going to keep doing it after the limbs start falling off hang on this is still shane patterson way. quarterback in michigan right they didn't switch over to dylan McCaffrey. you act you guys keep acting like somehow this team hasn't drastically improved like that this team isn't going to run for close to 250 yards on the ground they are going to destroy our spirits, and then they will let off the gas, and it's the only reason it'll be close. I mean, it was it was Shea Patterson, a quarterback against Notre Dame, too, and he only threw the ball like five times. That's what I'm saying. Like they, you think he's you think he's not <laughs> even going to Notre Dame? Notre Dame has one of the throw? worst rushing defenses in the country. Who does? Notre Dame has one of the they worst. Ru- yes, they it's not do. Accurate. Maybe after that game, it wasn't leading no, up to that game. It was the, a top the whole, 35 defense. Okay, well, the entire talk of why Georgia was supposed to steamroll them but didn't was the fact that Notre Dame's defense against the run was horrible. And Michigan showed that. It actually is horrible. Our defense against the run is nowhere near that bad. You think, I think that we're somehow better than Notre Dame's defense? You're wild in as hell. This defense is trash. Get out of here. Our secondary is absolutely trash. So then they're going to d- exploit it that way then. And like, then again, my, back, to, back to my question. Shea Patterson is still the quarterback, yes? And again, A guys quarterback that improve, has shown to have like, it. I'm not saying he can't improve, Dylan. Jesus. I'm saying the guy is shown to make questionable throws and calls as the quarterback. And if they're not connecting against our secondary, I don't think they're just going to be rushing up and down the field that will against us. Okay. We're, 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 but that's just I'm my loser mentality that. thinking. I'm sorry. You're right. I, I accept your apology. All right, let's move on. What? Hold on. I just, I, I want to. You've already repeated yourself like 60 times. I, I can't even tell you how many times you had kept asking the question, is Bob Quinn going to be fired? Like, let's move on. Next thing. I mean, of course you couldn't count because you weren't part of the conversation. There wasn't a conversation. So it was just Notre grandstanding. Dame, before the Michigan game, was 49th in the country in go. rush defense, which is super not bad. Like, it's, it's not fine. great, but it's, it's, fine. it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, they are currently 46th after getting gashed by Michigan. So, and as the schedule's picked up. So again, it, it's not like they're bottom tier rush defense. They're a top 50 team in college football against the run. That's yards per attempt, by the way. Um, so they're they're fine. If you want to know where Michigan State is on that list, Hassan Haskins about to have 200 all-purpose yards. Michigan State does have a good rush defense. Well, they, well, we know that the strength of their defense is the front seven, and that's. Really, the only hope, I guess, is that Shea's terrible, the front seven blows up our offensive line, and, uh, I don't know, 10 turnovers, I think? (laughs) 10 is the magic number to be within a score, I think. I mean, I'm with Dylan on this one. I I think if these teams played 100 times in Ann Arbor this season, I think Michigan would win 101 of them. I, I just don't. I don't They'd see. score so much it would count for two games, just like Rutgers back in 2016. <laughs> I just I just don't see a realm Michigan State gets it done this year. And that, that being said, so, Dylan, you're going to get your wish. They're going to broom everybody. Do you have hope for the program going forward? Like, do you think nope. they make a good nope. hire? Nope. This is worse than John L. I already said this. 
we but this is going to be you don't no. think that we recover from this I, we have we we have one solution and i don't believe that our athletic director will do it so no so you kind of do agree with me but for different reasons from Again, before. as I alluded to previously, I think that we are coming to the same answer with different, different ways of doing so. For sure. I think that if we were, if our, if we had Hollis still, again, still shithead, but if we had Hollis still, we'd have Fickle and we'd be up and running again within, let's say, three seasons, right? Three seasons, we would be back to like nine and three, ten and two, kind of like 2010 or 2008, if you will. But we won't. And this is going to be a close to 8 to 10 year rebuild. And we'll be lucky if that's even the case. Because Penn State's going to be gaining ground. Minnesota is clearly going to be gaining ground. We're going to be dropping down to the 7th or 8th best program in the conference. I mean, if you don't have any hope for anything going forward, are you still going to watch or no? Even after D'Antonio. I I mean, again, that depends on who they hire. Why are you waiting to put him on the spot if? If, if if Fickle is the coach, oh, dude, I'm gonna get my tickets again. I want to be there to see that rise, even if they're if even if they're dog shit. But but if uh, let's say if they hire Mike Tressel, I mean, I'll I'll watch from a distance, but my emotional attachment will be like Valeni with the Giants. I'll just be mad, and that's it. Yikes. I'm I'm honestly concerned with. All of the outside bullshit that has happened at Michigan State over the last few years, from Nasser to the questions for both Izzo and D'Antonio with their players oh and things that have happened, to the fact. Uh, I'm sorry. Is there a problem? <laughs> Just the scumbag ta- Tom Izzo thing again. <laughs> God, can we stop? <laughs> he just said it again. The outside noise that has surrounded Michigan State for the last few years, in my mind, hurts them of hiring as good of a name as possible to take over the football program. Regardless of what is deserved, being a top 25 program over the last 15 years or whatever, you have a lot of noise at Michigan State that's not good. And I don't know how much that affects the attractiveness of Michigan State for bigger name coaches who either are trying to make their way back into the limelight or young and up up and coming coaches that are trying to get into the limelight. If you're young and upcoming, you'd probably take the Michigan state job. But if you're somebody that has way more options because of all the outside noise, unless you just really wanted a challenge and like pick yourself up by the bootstraps, then uh, you, there are other jobs that you'd want before, you know, you came here. I mean, right. you've got to poach a coordinator from a hot team that has not gotten buzz for a big time job yet before they do that's what i would do i mean are you getting a coordinator before a head coach you don't need a retread you don't need no you're making a coordinator your head coach right that's what he was saying okay my concern though is for guys like that i would like to see come come over to michigan state guys that have established winning at other cult at other schools they do not have either any job right now or a great job right now in terms of football. So someone like Les Miles at Kansas or Bob Stoops that we don't know what he's doing besides the XFL right now. You know, oh my God, I can't think of his name. It's so upsetting. Name or school. There's a perfect coach for you guys. Coach is a real little school. Lane Kiffin. No, no. <laughs> he's at a real he's little going, school. Hey, I think he's it's going, Division Two. and he's, he's a going to Florida offensive State. mind. God, dude, what the Okay, but from where? I can't think. It's like one I'm of the Dakotas. Everyone else blank. is worthless in D2. 
I'll tell you what, I'd t- <laughs> it won't happen, but I would take Chris Kleiman in a in a heartbeat. Oh my goodness, that dude. He turned he turned around and in year one had has Kansas State already off the jump. That's impressive as hell. Anyways, not uh, impressive enough to be Baylor. What if we get Mooch? <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I Izzo brings Mooch to East Lansing. Absolutely. Right. I'm all for it, man. Let's go. Let's do it. I mean, he's like he's tired of being in the booth. He hasn't coached but... <laughs> in, in 15 years. You Hold know, on, I gotta look up his age now. Pulls a Herm Edwards and says, you know, I'm going back to college. Just, oh, man. Let's just get Herm Edwards, please. <laughs> nah, Herm's not bringing his ass out of the desert up to our winters. He doesn't want to deal with oh, that shit anymore. Well, I'm aware. He's living the good <laughs> but life. But someone though. from Iron Mountain... Uh, he's 64. Okay, I can see it. Gentlemen, we are always, during our recordings, we have something pretty darn important that happens every Tuesday, coinciding with our recording time, and that is the college football playoff rankings are released every week. And we had ourselves some moving and shaking because two of the top four teams lost. And because of that, we have an entirely new top 10 for the CFP. For So for anybody who hasn't tracked this themselves, the CFP for the top 10 goes as follows. LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia are your top four, followed by Alabama at number five, Oregon and Utah, six and seven, Minnesota, Penn State at eight and nine, and the last team, the Oklahoma Sooners, who will be playing a very important road game where game day is, in Waco, Texas, against Baylor. So the question is always like, just like what we had previously, what are the things that we're seeing out of this? We will start with Matt. What about this newest ranking has you intrigued or not? What team got screwed? What team is happy? You know, what, what do you think? We'll start with the top four. What about the top four? I did mean, they, every- did they get it right? I, 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 I don't see any reason why it would be any different than what it's been. Everybody pretty much just shifted up. That's all. I mean, so you don't think a team like Oregon? Not yet. It's a little Over premature. Georgia, no? no, not yet. Well, just hey, as bad as Georgia's loss was, if you think that they should be in that conversation. Georgia has I, better I, wins. That's what I'm saying. Who? There's their point Florida. differential. That's better than any certain. win Oregon has. Yeah. Florida's a top 10 team in the rankings, so it's better than any win. But their that loss are. is Their, far, their loss is bad. Worse. It's a bad loss. But they have played tougher competition than Oregon so far, and they've won against t- tougher competition. Oregon has one game. It's a neutral site game to start the year that they had in complete control and then blew it. Since then, they've been fine, but it's against nobodies. And after my Arizona Wildcats upset them this weekend, they're going to be out of the conversation altogether. That point spread is go. like 28 <laughs> points. <laughs> who do you think is in the worst position? Like, due to this ranking, who got screwed Baylor. the most? Baylor by far is in the worst For position. For sure. Like, it's they have a – close. I, I mean, Baylor – I mean, Minnesota has to win out too, but Baylor is not getting – not that they deserve it. I'm not saying they're underrated at all, but they are in a bad, bad spot. I mean – Even if they went out, I don't – think it matters being 13th and being 9 and 0 that's not good see i no it's not good but they still play oklahoma they have to 
they play Oklahoma this week, and they would probably, I haven't checked the standings, but I think they'd play Oklahoma again in the championship game. If they had two wins over Oklahoma, especially as long as one of them's convincing. uh, I don't even think it needs to be convincing. If they have two wins over Oklahoma and they're undefeated, it's going to be a hard argument to keep the undefeated Big 12 champ. With two wins That's over what, Oklahoma, out. I said it before, you're not going to have a undefeated Power 5 champ miss the playoff. Baylor would put that to the test. I mean, yeah, they'd be by absolutely. far the worst undefeated Power 5 champ that you can Especially envision. if Oregon wins I mean, out, that's not going to be close. There's two Oregon wins against... Going to be in, there's two wins against Oklahoma and then a win against Texas, who's still ranked. But Oklahoma is 10th, though. That's the problem. If Oregon beats Utah in the Pac-12 championship, that's going to be a better win than anything Baylor will have if Oklahoma is beaten twice because they won't be they'll be t- 15 at best at that point. They'll have three losses. Utah in the Pac-12 South. <laughs> I mean, I don't, okay, I, that's not important. That's not what the point right now. They should be playing in the regular I mean, season, I'm saying. They shouldn't be playing for the freaking championship. Point being is that Oregon will trump them and then ACC winner Big Ten, SEC, and you still have a one-loss SEC team that would still have, I would argue, a much bigger contention than anything Baylor has. Baylor being 13 right now at this point means they are out as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I don't – Baylor has to be the answer to me as far as a team that's just in a really bad spot because everyone else is kind of where you would think they're going to be. The only other – and it's not necessarily a team – the only other candidate for – uh, group that's fucked to me is the group of five. Well, you have a had no two team anyway. race. You, well, no, but you have a two team race to get into the top fifteen and get the New Year's Six Bowl. It's Cincinnati and Memphis, and they play each other. And if there's a slip up of any sort, I mean, there's a very real chance that we don't see a group of five team crack. No, the top Cincinnati sure. will get in there. Maybe. I mean, they're going to wind up playing enough of these other American teams that are ranked. It's just Memphis, though. I mean, I mean, they play Memphis. No, Na- Navy's in there, too. Since he doesn't play Navy. And Boise State. I'm, I'm very sure since he doesn't play either of those teams. Navy also, to be fair, has a really good chance of moving up if they beat Notre Dame on the road. If they beat Notre Dame, for sure. Which I and think is that, a very good possibility. Yeah, Cincinnati doesn't play anybody except Memphis. Memphis. That's, that's the thing. I, I think it's a two-team race for that top five, 15 spot. But really, that's just nitpicking because I think this is a pretty good ranking. Sure. And for the most part, I, it's one of the ones I have the least issue with that they've ever put out. And I don't think anyone got screwed that actually has a chance at doing anything. Uh, as far as the team got, that got the most help, I mean, I mean it's, I, it's obviously Minnesota. <laughs> no, shot I, up like ten spots. I don't Nine. think. I, I personally, I don't think so. I think that the Pac-12 is still a week later, still in a fantastic spot. I yeah. actually I, think, I, I think LSU spot. got the most help. How? And so long. I'm tell you how. Them jumping Ohio State proves, obviously, how highly the committee thinks of them. How much they value that win over Alabama. Sure. That they think LSU, the games that they've played this year, the teams that they've beat, that they're just head and shoulders above everybody else. And the reason I think that matters is that there's a chance LSU could survive a loss in the title game. Oh, yeah. And they still make the playoff. Would. If they weren't number one after this week, after that huge win at Alabama, they might not have survived a loss. And I sure. think that's a big deal. For them. Now, I think they win regardless, but I think that's a big deal for them. 
And looking at the rest of the teams that moved up, the teams that have a chance to crack the playoff, based on the ranking this week, their chances didn't really change much, in my opinion. I mean, Minnesota, if they won out, was going to make the playoff. It didn't matter if they jumped up to number eight this week. The Pac-12, last week we discussed, their position was fine. Georgia winning out makes the playoff, et cetera, et cetera. LSU, I think, got a very big boom. I do understand that logic. That, that, that makes sense. So Now, do you think we – I think we're all in agreement. Rankings are pretty good. Do you think there is anyone criminally under or overrated? Uh, I think that Alabama being only dropping two spots, I don't care that that game was within a single score. You can't lose at home to LSU and give up 45 points. They should be below at least, I would say, Oregon. They shouldn't really have a realistic shot of getting back into the top four, in my opinion. What? Look Why at should they be below Oregon? They no, lost to the number two team in the country. Oregon no, lost but to again, Auburn. But, but, but let's not get this twisted. They Again, they lost to LSU, but again, they gave up 46 points. And if you look at their strength of, strength of schedule, it's utter trash. At least Oregon attempted and probably should have beaten Auburn in Arlington. What other game does Alabama have? They haven't beaten a top 25 team. They haven't. I don't even know if they've beaten a team that has less than four losses. Uh, they beat A and M when they were twenty fourth. Yeah, where's A and M now? We're talking about right now. Not. I mean, not where's where's Washington now? Which is Oregon's big win. So I don't. I don't want to play devil's advocate here, but Dylan, in theory, is right. His biggest gripe is the fact that Alabama could theoretically somehow sneak into the playoff and that shouldn't be possible they should absolutely be out of the picture but at the same time you can't definitively say that the teams ranked under alabama are ahead of the alabama doesn't have any wins this season over ranked opponents alabama has beat zero ranked teams i don't want to overstate that alabama has not beaten a ranked team this year do you know how neither that is what's alabama's best win Texas A&M is the one that we're touting, apparently. I mean, Oregon... Oregon doesn't have any wins against the ranked team either. Oregon has more of those wins, at least, though. They They have better. They they, they both have zero. They both have zero wins against... Your argument for Oregon's best win is Washington or or at USC this past weekend. Take your pick. Is either one that strong of an argument this year? No. I, I think the USC, how they came out in the second half, is more impressive than any win Alabama's had. And I would agree with that 100%. But again, I'm not saying that you have to rank Oregon over them. I'm saying it's it's hard I to disagree. make. I disagree. Alabama beat up LSU by 15 points in the second half. say that these teams are better than Alabama <laughs> at this point. I don't think it's going to matter. I mean, Alabama. points at home. They beat LSU by 15 points in the second half. They were down by 20 at halftime, lost by five. What is this framing? What is this framing? What is the framing with your Oregon USC? It's the same shit. It was a close game, and then they beat them up in the second half. Great. You're doing a Paul Feynman. They beat them in the second half by 15 points. Like, what is that verbiage? I don't Look, like Alabama's it. Alabama's getting benefit of the doubt for what I mean, they've done for the past decade, obviously. With Nick Saban and the program he's built, they're expecting that Alabama in the college football playoff will put up a fight against anybody. You can't can say not, the same for Oregon. Can we not say Alabama in, in the college football playoff the remainder of this year, please? 
like it. I did, but there, but that's but that's the reason I don't like them at number five because that means there's still a chance. We See, already I'm said like this it. last so week. They so set it up thing. for the SEC I, to have two teams in it. I'm extremely torn, and this goes back to something that I think we discussed last week. In theory, no, they shouldn't be in the top five. But who are you going to put ahead of them? That's where it kind of gets open to whatever. Said, and you, yeah, and you're wrong. <laughs> right? It's not that he's not necessarily wrong, but there, no, it's he's not wrong. Definitive. My thing is, I look at this and I'm like, there's no way that Georgia should be in the top five, but or the top four, sorry. But who am I putting ahead of Georgia? Well, I would put Alabama ahead of Georgia. I would put Oregon ahead of Georgia. I would, I would, I would Wait, have Georgia. So you just said six. you don't want to discuss Alabama in the college football playoff again, but you right. I said I don't want to. I said I don't want to. Well, <laughs> things will sort themselves out by the end of the year. Let's okay. So let's let's see here. I, the thing that's really going to matter for this conversation for next week, do you, does anybody? Say, I'm gonna I'm gonna save the games here. We got Alabama's on the road against Mississippi State. Indiana goes to Penn State. We have Ohio State at Rutgers. <laughs> uh, there isn't even a spread posted for that game. <laughs> Wake Forest is on the road against Clemson. Georgia is at Auburn, and. Minnesota is at Iowa. LSU is at Ole Miss. Does it, and uh, UCLA is at Utah. And then, as Matt alluded to already, Arizona against Oregon. Do we see any chaos? Because there is one game in particular that I think is a trap game. I mean, Georgia could obviously lose at Auburn, and then yeah, Minnesota sure. could lose at Iowa. I don't I expect them to because I think Iowa sucks. But that game of Ole Miss against LSU, that emotional high to low. Uh, just watch out. I think that spread could be a lot closer. It could get a little uncomfortable for the Bayou Bengals. And then if Georgia loses, Alabama's back in. Roll tight. Well, well and, an, and I think I, this uh, Indiana-Indiana-Penn State game is another one because I think Indiana's a fantastic team. They don't have their quarterback. That's the only problem. They're still at Penn State, though. Yeah. But as we, as we all know, James Franklin is a straight-up joker, so – I don't see how Ole Miss puts up nearly enough points to stay with LSU. I, it's more just the high-low theory. Like, that is arguably one of LSU's most signature wins ever. And I don't know how they're going to be able to go from playing on the road at Tuscaloosa, 1v2, and then you're in the Grove against a 4-6 and six Ole Miss team. I don't know. I still think I think LSU still wins that by double digits. I'm I I mean, if I were putting chances on it, obviously, I'm just saying that is a, a potential, especially in college. Win sounds about right. Well, we do all have pretty definitive takes on where we think these teams should be ranked, and I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark and say that we also have a good idea who we think our national champion is going to be this year. Ah, predictions. Hey. Dylan's been wanting to do this for a while, and yeah. we're at Sands One Sports League. We're gonna actually we we're in the midst of pretty much every single major sport right now, which is what's Indeed. so amazing about this time of year. And we are at obviously varying points in the season. Uh, just started NHL and NBA up, but Dylan wants to go ahead, and we're gonna do this as a Grizzly Take segment. And hey, we're gonna cue the banjo. Every single champion. From ongoing sports. The only sport we're leaving out is Major League Baseball because they're Ooh. both not in season, but they're also going to look so vastly different after winter meetings in free. We will be doing that, that with that our has. winter meetings uh, episode. We'll with eventually AJ. do that. But 
Right now, we're going to leave them out. We're going to do five. So we're doing three of the major sports leagues, professional, and then we're going to do college, basketball, and football. So let's start in the sport that I care about the absolute least. But just looking at the standings here, this team's won seven games in a row. They won the Stanley Cup last year. Let's run it back, St. Louis. For the NFL, I do have the Patriots in the Super Bowl, but I do have, so I have the Patriots winning the Super Bowl, but the Packers will be there against them. We'll finally get that Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl in the NBA. Uh, with the duos taking over, the best duo is going to go ahead and get the uh, get the title this year. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, the Los Angeles Lakers, and somehow Frank Vogel will have the NBA championship as a head coach. Terrible. In uh, college football, the Ohio State Buckeyes, they're going to get Chase Young back right before the Penn State game. They're going to ride that momentum with them, their quarterback, Justin Fields. Ryan Day, he's going to pick up where uh, what Urban did his first year and go totally undefeated. The Of course, Ur Urban couldn't get a national title because of a postseason ban, but Ryan Day will go ahead and rectify that. Ohio State wins the championship in college football. And then in college basketball, Tom Izzo gets his second national championship with the Michigan State Spartans. Rally around uh, Cassius Winston and the horrible news about his brother. But he gets that title, and then he gets one more when Imani Bates comes to school in I don't know even how many years two years three years but this year Tom Izzo Michigan State get, gets it done so you have St. Louis Blues New England Patriots Los Angeles Lakers Ohio State Buckeyes and the Michigan State Spartans well uh first thing to dissect is that the city of St. Louis can't win championships because they're a bunch of losers so it's definitely cuddly for that uh, I don't agree with your Los Angeles Lakers portion of it because I don't trust the health of Anthony Davis and Frank Vogel is a dead man walking, so cuddly on that. Patriots one has logic, but they are missing an offensive piece and Gronk isn't going to be coming back, so I'll cuddly that as well. Ohio State, 100%. I have a different reason for the same answer, but I agree with you there. And with Michigan State, same thing. Again, I think we're we're in lockstep. Uh came to the same place together however i used to phrase that so you got two cuddlies one eh slash grizzly and then two grizzly uh for the most part it's grizzlies all around and i will go deeper on my turn i i don't have any problem with any of the teams you picked i don't obviously i'm not gonna pick all the same teams but i'm gonna say grizzly uh outside of i do not like the st louis blues to repeat uh, they Re came out of, repeat? What are you talking about? They came out of nowhere last season. Um, I, I don't see them doing it again this season, but uh, you sound logic on all of them. No one completely out of Nine and one in their last ten, baby. And the most important thing to me is all of those teams in my mind have a shot to win the title. And as long as you're picking teams that have a shot to win the title, I can see it happening. I'm not going to cuddle it, so it's going to be Grizzly for me. On to my turn. I have the Edmonton Oilers being the first Canadian team since 1993 to win the Stanley Cup with Jordan Eberle and Connor McDavid. This team's been fantastic, and I think that Edmonton will finally be able to pull it off. From the NBA, uh, I, I mean, I got to pick the Clippers. I, even though the game load management stuff is stupid as hell and I hate it, <coughs> excuse me, there is a reason for that. And it's because Kawhi is going to be fantastic when the playoffs come around again. 
He's playing just like Jordan did back in the day. He's going to win another title. And he has a fantastic coach with him. Like, again, the difference and gap between Frank Vogel and Doc Rivers is not close. And nepotism no longer plagues the Clippers either because trash-ass Austin Rivers is out of there. So That's uncalled I'm going to say the L.A. Clippers for that. Ryan... I think I'm going to make you the happiest man alive with my next pick because I have been on this for some time now. I am going to stay on this. I think that the Baltimore Ravens are going to win the Lombardi (laughs) Trophy. They have Mm -hmm. the absolute best game plan for that time of year. They are running the ball in a way that other teams simply cannot match. On top of that, John Harbaugh has shown a propensity to be able to win in Foxborough if it comes down to that. On top of that, Kansas City is just not the same team. And low-key, we've talked about this before, but low-key, a secret weapon that Baltimore is going to have come playoff time, Justin Tucker is going to make every kick that he is going to come up against. I got to pick Baltimore Ravens for the Super Bowl. And then college, it's the same thing as what uh, Ryan had said. Ohio State is the best team in the entire country. They will win every single game by double digits. I don't know if a team has ever done that before on their way to a title, but it's going to happen. And then Michigan State, I'm I'm not using this. I'm not happy that this is going to be the result of this. It's tragic. I hate that this has occurred, but this is going to just light a fire under this team that will not be able to be overcome by anyone. Cassius Winston is going to play like a player incensed, and it's going to be a very good way of honoring his brother who tragically killed himself, Uh, and I think Michigan State is, is going to win the title. I have less doubt now uh, because this team is going to play with a purpose unseen in some time. So it's definitely mostly Grizzly for me, Dylan. Uh, I'm not so certain about Edmonton. I mean, I, you know, it's the NHL, so anything can happen, and we know that. Uh, we've, the, only, the only league where the eight seed has just as good of a chance as the one seed of winning it all. Um, for I mean, it's really It really is Grizzly across the board besides that. It's the only one that I, you know, can kind of poke at. Um... I see your points with Baltimore. I don't fully agree. I think that when push comes to shove and everything's on the line, I don't know if their game plan is going to work. Like, it worked so well against New England, obviously, last week. But I think when push comes to shove, if they have to do it again against New England in New England, I think that's a tougher call against a team that has been there time and time again. I know Baltimore is one of the thorns so that have been John. on their side. I know he has. Um, but I still don't think his defense is the kind of defense he needs to win it all. Um, so that's the only other one. Uh, that I would take umbrage with. So besides Baltimore and Edmonton, uh, I'm with you. So we've been very much on the same wavelength about a lot of things this week. But I have to cuddle this because there's just two that I take such... I just object to them so strongly that I can't grizzly this. The first one is Edmonton. And while Edmonton is a fun team to watch, while they are ahead of schedule, while they have some real star, star players... They're not deep enough to win the Stanley Cup Final. They don't have enough throughout the entire roster in hockey of all sports. You can have the greatest top line, top two lines in the world. You gotta go four lines deep. And they don't. They absolutely don't. And I, I cannot see them winning the title that way. And then the other one's obvious is Baltimore. Um, I will bet you whatever you want that they don't beat New 
England in a playoff rematch. Um, I don't even think they'll beat struggling Kansas City in a playoff. Oh, playoffs. come on. Uh, I, I don't see Baltimore getting there. And if, by God forsaken, whatever miracle they did make the Super Bowl, they would just get absolutely ravished by any number of... Okay, the Seattle. reason I think that's insulting is because we've seen oh, John, we've seen John with fantastic teams be able to pull this. This isn't a knock on John. What apparently this is, it's not is because you're, you're team. Their I, defense is not good enough to carry them. They've gotten a lot better, like they're, low key. They're they've solid, but they're, they're just not a Super Bowl team. Uh, the he rest of hates them, a hardball that can win big The rest of stop it. I love. <laughs> I love it really bad in Detroit, but regardless, I those two I object very strongly to. So I have to cuddle it. But you did make at least good points. Grizzly all around. Obviously, we agree on the last two. I'm very mad about the Ravens that you still just glossed over Lamar Jackson, which no. is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I to be fair, I had a more. I want to save that for another time because I have com- gone a complete 360 on him. I am mm-hmm. I am squarely in, right. in Ryan's corner now. Goddamn right. Ooh. Now we're out Speaking here to burn people. That Dylan just likes to gloss over Xavier Four. Simpson. Seven of eleven tonight. Two of three from deep. There so it is. Could I, it? How there it is. Three. Wait, yeah, I, first <laughs> off, Ryan predicted this already. But second, <laughs> second off, how can I gloss over a dude I don't even give a shit about? Like you're acting like I was watching his game intently and then just ignored it. Like I'm just, I'm just like nobody. I don't care about your point, God. So the the Clippers pick to get back to this. The Clippers pick obviously is a bad pick. The Clippers are a very good team, but if you're gonna knock the Lakers for their uh, for Anthony Davis specifically his injury history, I don't know how you ignore the Kawhi and Paul George who you know have been injured throughout their careers as as well, which is why they're load managing. Mr. Mr. Leonard, and it might work as well as it did last year, but obviously not not a huge issue with the Clippers being the pick. They're the two most popular picks, and then Edmonton, sure, give give Canada something nice ever since they got rid of racist ass Don Cherry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what do you mean? Wow, he is. It's not the point. <laughs> Paul's, 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 like, Paul's like, both sides had great points there. Oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, so, for college, I think it's all Big Ten, Ohio State in football, and Michigan State in basketball. Uh, there we go. For professional basketball, I think we're going to get to see L.A. Boston in the finals. Um, I think the Celtics Ooh. just replacing. Spicy. Uh, Which L.A.? Uh, hang on. Well, you let me do my shit. <laughs> no. Damn. I think Paul's with Boston replacing Kyrie with Kemba man. has done a ton for that locker room because Kemba 100%. is nowhere near the cancer that that uh, that Kyrie can be and is a much and better in the locker room le- leader. And the players around him, who are already very damn good, are not going to feel so stifled like they did last year. Uh, and once Gordon Hayward gets over his broken hand, he will go back to doing what he was doing before he got hurt which is be the Gordon Hayward that we saw at Utah four years ago for the LA side. Well, look, it takes a little bit when you completely destroy your leg to have all that confidence to go back in there with, you know, no concern whatsoever for it. I've been saying since it happened that this is going to take a full year after he got hurt to be back to what he could be. And I think we were seeing that before the hand injury, Uh, as far as LA, I get your points, Ryan. I think what Dylan is saying is that with the injury history of AD, 
Kawhi's load management is going to help with that injury issue where they're not going to play him as much. It's going to be a lot like it was with Toronto where he is going to come out and be extremely healthy because for everyone else who is in game, you know, 80-something, 90-something, 100-something, he's going to be in game 60-something. And I think that the Clippers at the the end of the year are going to be in a better position health-wise than the Lakers. I don't see LeBron being able to give the effort he has given to start this season in May. I, I think he's going to be a little bit more worn out. I don't care that he is LeBron and that he's able to defy all these things. He is still getting into his later 30s, and there's only so much you can do. Uh, so I think we're going to see LA Boston, just not the Lakers like I'd like to see. It'll be the Clippers. And I think the Clippers will end up taking the championship over the Celtics in hockey. Uh, I think there's a very good chance for a rematch of last year with the result going the other way, regardless if St. Louis gets there or not. I think the Boston Bruins are going to be your Stanley cup champion when it's all said and done uh, and sticking with the city out there uh, where the country freaking started. Uh, I, until it's been done, I can't go against the new England Patriots winning the Lombardi Trophy. It's just it's Tom Brady, it's Bill Belichick. They have enough pieces. Uh, they always have a game like they did this this last week against Baltimore where everyone's like, oh, oh see, see that. Well, yeah, and then they end up bouncing back and hosting the damn trophy at the end of the year. So until it's done, I'm not going to go against them. So I got New England winning the Stanley, uh, the Stanley Cup. I got New England winning the Vince Lombardi. The Bruins winning the Stanley Cup. The Clippers winning the Larry O'Brien. Michigan State basketball. Ohio State football. Uh, did I miss one of them? I don't think so. Nope. I think we're good. You got it. I mean, I guess it's Grizzly. They all uh, they all certainly have a case to be the best teams in their respective leagues, especially the Bruins, which I despise you for making that pick, but I can't say they don't have a shot at the Stanley Cup. Uh, uh, I'll elaborate more when I get to mine. It'd be cuddly. I'd be shocked if, um, if the Celtics, and I know it wasn't, your, well, that's your championship not, that's, pick. You can't cut that. No, yes, I can. No, so you that's three not Boston part of teams? It. I mean, it's nope, his opinion. Not doing so. it. <laughs> not doing it. Boston can't that's, have. Uh, they they can't have that the... much of a good thing. But obviously, we agree on, on three of them. <laughs> they, they did last year. So, so Gri- Grizzly for the most part. All right. Um. So first off, uh, Cuddly for the Bruins. They're just a bunch of goons, and they're getting a lot older as well. Uh, I love seeing Brad Marchand cry. So. Then, uh, I, I, you know, I'm starting to get really tired of the New England thing because it was just a bunch of cliches without recognizing that the defense isn't nearly as good as what everybody thought they were. And I'm not reacting to the Baltimore part of it, more so their schedule part of it. Because what you'll see in the next few weeks, they're not as good as what, as what everybody thought they were at the beginning. And on offense, again, like Tom Brady's Tom Brady. Okay, what do they do exceptionally well on offense exactly? Not much. So definitely cuddle that part of it. I actually love your reasoning for Boston Celtics. I mean, they replaced an utter an utter cancer who, by the way, the Brooklyn Nets, who you guys know how much how high I was on them. Look at them now. My God, Karis LeVert was amazing. Look what he is now. I hate it. I hate what he's done to Kenny Atkins and that team. You're you're sound in every way with the NBA part of it, which isn't surprising at all. That's your sport. You did a great job with it, so good job on that. And uh kind of sucks that we're all agreeing to the college part of it. I think Paul may deviate. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. That'd be like Paul's worst nightmare if Ohio State and Michigan State won. And uh, no, I think I mean, when I'm, Michigan State, he'd be. Yeah, he'd I'm, be. I'm rooting for Michigan State this 
I mean, unless we run into them. Here's the thing, though. It's much harder to root against Michigan State now. Much harder. (laughs) I I mean, I don't. Stuff like that doesn't. You can still disparage Tom. It's not cash. Oh, I can sure disparage Tom, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, Matt does enough of that for you, so. (laughs) Uh, So I guess it's my turn. So I'm going to start in what I think is the most interesting pick for all of us, and that's actually the NHL uh, for a myriad of reasons. I actually think this is the year the Predators get it done. Uh, It's been a long time coming, and I feel like they're finally getting in the groove. They're finally where they need to be. Their offense is the best in the NHL, and it's not close. And their defense has been not too shabby, especially since the first few games of the season when they had a couple letdowns. I really think this is the year for them. I think a lot of the other contenders uh, have some fatal flaws. I absolutely don't think the Bruins are going to get it done this year. I don't see St. Louis repeating. Uh, I think this is the year the Predators finally get it done. I wish it had been a couple years ago before my boy Fisher retired or left, but uh, I think this will be a good year for them. Jumping over to the NBA, um, I'm going a little chalky with this one. I think it's the Clippers all day. Um, I think it's going to be hard for another team to compete with them. The team that I think, of course, can is the Lakers. And I actually think the biggest part of this, see, the thing with the Clippers is the Clippers have Kawhi and they have Paul George. And you guys both know how I feel about them, absolute fabulous players, uh, as long as they stay healthy. But what the Clippers have is a lot more depth than most of the teams they're competing against, especially the Lakers. The reason the Lakers can take them down is because uh, they might run into the Clippers in the playoffs, and yeah, it's home court for the Lakers. All five, six, seven games, as long as it goes, every game is played home court for the Lakers. Uh, For those who don't pay attention to basketball, obviously, they play in the same arena, and nobody in LA is a Clippers fan. It's ridiculous. They need their own place, so not good for them. But I definitely think the Clippers are going to railroad to a championship this year. I don't want them to. I, much like Matt, would love to see the Lakers get it done. But I think the Clippers are in the best spot, too. Uh, sticking with basketball, we're going to jump in the college ranks. Uh, we all are going to give the same answer on this one. And that's because they have the best blend to get it done. Michigan State has well, that's an no fun. elite blend of both talent and experience and depth. They have the backcourt that you need to win in March and April. They have... All of the recipe right there. They have the experienced head coach. Of course, anything can happen in a 64 team, actually. 66 team? 68? 68. 68 team tournament. It's wild. I don't care about the extras. Anything can happen, and we've seen great teams lose unexpected games. Michigan State is not uh, object to that, but no one should be able to touch them when it matters. And no one has a, a bunch of freshmen should not be able to beat this team come March, come April. And no one else has the talent to compete with them. So I'm definitely going with Michigan State. Switching over to the NFL. I cannot believe, unless I missed it, I might have missed it. There were a lot of teams mentioned, but I don't think anyone said it. It's the Saints, man. The Saints have hands down the best team. And I hear the groan from Dylan, which is weird because he was a Saints fan for like two and a half whole years. Um... They just have the complete package, and you saw it when Teddy Bridgewater came in for them, and not that they didn't miss a beat, but they played very, very well. As this season goes on, and ironically, Drew Brees' injury, I think, helped this team a lot. I think 
They had to lean on a lot of their strengths that were not at the quarterback position. They had to see what they really have as a roster outside a quarterback. And Drew Brees got to chill and rest a little bit. Drew Brees is getting old. Do not underestimate those weeks of not playing football day in and day out on an old man like Drew Brees that he can be fresher at the end of the season. I think this is absolutely the Saints to lose. And I believe that just leaves me with college football. And I feel like I've been on this train for a decade, just been waiting for one piece. And that's the quarterback. And I, as much as I despise the SEC, I love everything about what's going on in the Bayou right now. I think LSU is absolutely far and away the best team in America, although I do think OSU is a close second. Uh, I don't think anybody can touch those two teams. LSU, we're finally, finally seeing what it's like to have a quarterback, and not just a quarterback, but out of the blue, an electric quarterback. I mean, we just wanted for so long someone to be serviceable for the Tigers, and they now have an electric talent under center. I absolutely think they run the table, and I really hope we get to see LSU OSU in the final. Oh, recap them, bitch. Um, <laughs> so it was LSU. Yeah, yeah, Clippers, LSU, Michigan, Michigan State, State. The Clippers, the Saints, Saints and the Predators. And the Predators. There you go. Well, uh, I still, like I said, the Clippers for, um, so I go cuddly all around. There's too many disagreements. But the the big one is actually uh, being the Saints. I said in my prediction, I, I expect the Packers to be this NFC representative in the Super Bowl. So obviously the Saints wouldn't make it. Didn't agree on the Clippers, but it's a, it's a nice pick if you're not going to pick the Lakers. You're just going to be wrong, but you'll at least be Western Conference Finals wrong instead of NBA Finals wrong. The Predators... Sure, why not? I like the team name. Michigan State, I obviously agree with. And then I do expect uh, LSU and Ohio State to meet in the championship game, but Ohio State will prove to Joe Burrow why he's a cast off. <laughs> uh, I got to say, cuddly for the Saints, first and foremost. That is just so incorrect in so many ways. The Saints have the same problem that New England does. They have no vertical passing game at all. Drew Brees does not throw deep anymore. And I would take Seattle or Green Bay over them. I don't even know if the Saints are going to get past their first round bye. If they even have one. I don't know how you can go and look at that Falcons game. I mean, yeah, obviously it's a little fluky. But there is some truth to it. I, I the mean, Saints are not the same the, offensive the team. The teams you just They're mentioned. Just Seattle and the Packers. Look at that letdown game. Look at what the Packers did in L.A. But again, I think that they make up for it by having They're much more upside on offense. I will always take Russell Wilson. I'll, I'll take Russell Wilson over Drew Brees any playoff game. I don't care where it's played. And on top of that, there's still a chance that the that the Seahawks would be at home, and we know, you know, Saints fans know how that usually goes for them. So. Clippers uh, agree on that part. Predators, no, because they're in a loaded Western Conference. Just by sheer statistics, I just don't know if it's exactly likely. Um, for LSU, I, I, I'm, I'm with Ryan. I think they'll be facing off against Ohio State. But as I alluded to before, uh, I think it's a reverse of 2007. I think Ohio State will run them to 
the core uh, in Michigan State. We're all in agreement on that. Kind of scares me. But another thing, I just don't understand why nobody else has mentioned how different this season is now for the Spartans now with this situation that is going mean, to, I would argue, bring the team together. Like, well, right, right, sorry. But, like, I guess it's just ironic that, you know, Michigan has their plane slightly get blown off of the tracks. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this team's going 60 games. And then, you know, this happens with Michigan State and everyone's like, all right, cool. So. I mean, it really is grizzly all around. I mean, you know, my my biggest my biggest beef, quote unquote, would be with uh, Nashville and just the fact that they haven't really exactly gotten off to the hottest of starts. And I, as much as I like uh, Pecorine, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, you know, throughout the entirety of the postseason for him to just be the stand on your head goalie. Um, but that's really it. It's, you know, he definitely can. I just haven't seen it yet. Outside of that, you know, I, I don't see a problem with any of them. I hope that you're right with football. I hope it's the Saints. I'd love to see Drew Brees uh, get one more, and especially if it's against uh, Tom Brady like we should have had last year where we can see two of the greatest of all time going head-to-head at the quarterback position with it all on the line because we haven't seen that in quite a while. And that would be fantastic for all the fans, but especially uh, the New Orleans fans down here who think that their God is the God in Drew Brees. Uh, basketball, obviously, I picked the Clippers as well. Um, and I can see LSU, obviously. They've been fantastic this year. I just think uh, I think when push comes to shove, I think Ohio State's just a little bit better. And I think if we get that opportunity, it'll be one hell of a championship game. And you really can't be angry either way if I just realized that one. I picked the Bayou football. Ryan's got a question. I've got several. And this first one is... It's kind of a bummer that Paul wasn't here for it because he hates the person and he probably hates the opinion even more. But we'll do this one in his memory. <laughs> 97 won the ticket. Valeni Show producer Mike Sullivan, uh, known lovingly on the station as Sully, said by the end of this year, P.J. Fleck will have done more for the Minnesota football program than Jim Harbaugh has done for Michigan. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. No. Oh, my God. The this hatred. Is- Jesus. No, I don't hate him. No, this no, no, not you. No, no, I'm saying his oh. his hatred towards Harbaugh in Michigan. Oh, right. <laughs> That's some asinine shit right there. That's not my man's. You know whose man's it is? It's Valenny. Because all he's doing <laughs> is is just keeping up the narrative. My God. Um, Yeah, this is not my man's. This is, this is haterated at its full extent. What P.J. Fleck has done this year at Minnesota has been fantastic. But... You're not going to say it's bigger than anything Harbaugh has done at Michigan yet. Now, now, if Minnesota wins out, <laughs> then you can make an argument that, you know, he made the college football playoff and Harbaugh hasn't done that yet. But, you know, people are so busy hating Harbaugh. They're, for, they're somehow forgetting what Michigan was since Lloyd Carr really since the end of Lloyd Carr's time period, but especially since he retired and just how bad Michigan was, how much of a joke they were compared to what they are now. Uh, so that's just a whole lot of haterade there. That is not my man's. It's my man's because even if B.J. Fleck is able to get to the Big Ten title game and lose, maybe more than Harbaugh's done. The next one that we have uh, staying on the college football train is Mr. Reese Davis, one of probably the host of College Game Day, who said – Minnesota can afford a loss and still get into the college football playoff. A lot of Minnesota stuff, but he is not my man's here. Um, that's not happening. So, I mean, clearly the intent is 
they make they still make the Big Ten Championship. They beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. Uh, and now we're at the situation we were at a couple years ago when Penn State won the Big Ten Championship and went to the Rose Bowl because Ohio State went to the college football playoffs even though they didn't win the championship. So I don't, I don't know how you make that argument for Minnesota playing in the Big Ten West. I understand the win against Penn State's really big. Um... And if Wisconsin can somehow not lose the rest of the way, although they almost did to Iowa last week uh, after taking a good-sized lead, I still think that somehow the committee would find a way to put Ohio State in if it was a Big Ten team over Minnesota. That's that's my thinking here, too. So it's not my man. Minnesota just doesn't have the respect um, yet to be able to drop a game, even if it's to Iowa and then they beat, you know, Wisconsin and Ohio State to get in. It's not going to happen. The next one that we have is NFL reporter Mr. Ian Rappaport, who said Cam Newton would accept a trade to the Bears. Or he'd open, uh-huh. would accept it with open arms. Oh, oh, this is absolutely my man's. I want this move more than anything in the world. Absolutely my man's. Mine and mine alone. I don't know about alone. Um, I think it would be very entertaining to have Cam Newton in the NFC North. Uh, for everything that he brings with him, uh, including his ability to get injured and miss part of a season uh, and see how the Bears do with and without him, which would just be very entertaining as well. So, yeah, sure, this is my man. <laughs> so hurt. It's my man's, too. I can't see why Cam Newton wouldn't embrace it after spending you know his entire career in the Carolinas. Come uh, come to Chicago. Come to the Windy City. See what it's about and have you know, a year or two window where you could uh, you could really do something special. His style would look great in the loop. There we go. He'd be running down the Magnificent Mile. You know how much fun he'd have shopping? (laughs) Next we have Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh uh, raining down praises, as it was said, on his counterpoint (laughs) or on his, yeah, counterpoint coach. Probably not the right words, but you guys get what I'm trying to say. Counterpart. For Michigan State. State. He said Mark D'Antonio is a fine coach whose whole body of work is worthy of praise. Michigan State has an explosive offense and one of the best defenses in the country. So, b- besides that second part just being an absolute lie, the first part is Jim Harbaugh, your man for his Mark D'Antonio commentary. Uh, so, as I had alluded to when we talked about Michigan, this is just, Jim's only saying this because it's dead man walking. It's honor among thieves. Um, I'll, I'll say it's I'll say it's my man's. I, I I appreciate that he's trying to get to let uh, Tom go out or Tom Jesus uh, Mark go out in some grace. I just don't think he deserves it. Freudian slip. You want them both Mark's out. Man. You want them both out now. I do not. <laughs> and Freudian slips are not a thing. Uh, I mean, you're leaving out what D'Antonio said, unless it's another part of uh, whose man's. Um, where they've gone back and forth with these pleasantries and D'Antonio calling Harbaugh a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, oh, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, D'Antonio called Harbaugh a Hall of Fame coach. If the Man, this is the last round apparently, <laughs> at all, 100%. This is what I'm Kissing saying, Dylan. all over the place. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, for, you know, for a very heated rivalry between these two schools and the coaches that have been thrown into the mix. Harbaugh has been very outspoken about things. D'Antonio, obviously, with his comments on Mike Hart and the pride comes before the fall. They've always, they've never been shy around a microphone and saying things that other people might not have said. Uh, But to see them both, you know, 
doing pleasantries out there. Yeah, it's nice and all. Um, and I'm sure they're friendly with each other. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't take anything away from the fact they just they want to beat the ever-living crap out of each other every time they face each other. But sure, good job, Harbaugh. You're my mans today. It's my mans. Maybe Jim Harbaugh has gone a little bit softer on D'Antonio in the recent years because he does understand the success that D'Antonio has. I'm sure he has a different appreciation for it being a coach and seeing actually how hard it is to win the conference, to make the college football playoff. And maybe when he came to Michigan, that's not uh, it's not a you know kind of viewpoint that he saw. He maybe thought it'd be a little bit easier than it's kind of proving to be, and he respects a man who's been able to do it. The next that we have is Bill Simmons on his very, very good, the second best podcast you'll ever hear in your life. The Book of Basketball podcast. He was talking with J.A. Adande, former uh, writer, columnist, journalist, whatever you want to call him, for the L.A. Times. He's And Bill Simmons said he would rather have Tim Duncan's basketball career and... Okay, let me rephrase it. He said he would rather have Tim Duncan's basketball career over Shaquille O'Neal's. And if he were building a team, he would take Tim, Tim Duncan before he would take Shaq. Oh, man. Um... I actually agree with this. I think that Tim Duncan is going to be the most forgotten, fantastic, great star in any sport. I, I he, That whole era is just washed over because they weren't stylish and they weren't you know, flashy and whatnot. Um, I haven't heard Jay Donde's name in a while. It's good to hear from him again. It was, it was a great podcast. It was called the Shaq Podcast. Uh, well, it's the Book of Basketball, the Shaq Podcast episode. I and mean, this is absolutely my, my man's. Who's got more titles? Tim Duncan. Who had a better overall career? Tim Duncan. Who had better peak? Shaq. Absolutely. But there's always been issues with Shaq. His laziness, his not coming into uh, the season in great shape. Um, but he was, you know, the centerpiece to multiple championships in a row. Something Tim Duncan was never able to do uh, when he, you know, <laughs> defending his title. But in my mind, Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward I've ever seen. And was much more dependable throughout his career, including into his older age. Shaq bounced around from team to team to team at the end there, something that no legend should really have to go through, uh, yet Shaq did. And I think part of it's his own fault for not being in as great a shape as he could have been. And I have always said, if there was one man who could do what Wilt did, it was Shaq, if he ever really wanted to. But Shaq never really wanted to. And he's the more fun-loving guy and all that stuff, and that transpired throughout seasons and on teams. Um... But yeah, I would. This is my man's. I would take Duncan's over Shaq's. This is not my man's. I do love Tim Duncan, but just looking at Shaq's basketball career, he was obviously a, a better player when both were at the this you know kind of height of their powers. But if you look at the team Shaq played for, I'd love to be able to go to Orlando, Phoenix, Los Angeles, and Miami. Probably not Boston so much, but Shaq Cleveland? did a lot of traveling and is to a lot of a lot of beautiful cities. Yeah, not Cleveland either. But uh, I'd 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 rather have Shaq's basketball career. Except it's a very good podcast, and um, yeah, you guys should should listen to it. A lot of good points were made. The next one that we have is um, one of Bill Simmons. I'm sure he's had him on podcast before. They used to work together at ESPN. Mr. Jalen Rose, Detroit native, who said this a couple days ago. Um, it was kind of after the whole Doris Burke Kawhi sitting out is ridiculous thing. Jalen Rose has a kind of the opposite take on it. He said NBA fans are to blame for load management because they judge players off of rings and what you've won. So you have to stay no. healthy for the postseason because if you win Sorry. a regular season MVP and then, you know, fall off a la like a James Harden, you're just going to get ridiculed. 
Okay, I didn't mean to jump the gun there, but that's how no, good. That, how strong I feel about this. Like, no, not at all, Jalen. Get out of here. The problem in ownness is on the NBA for having too many games. And the players are doing they are empowered and they are doing the right thing by demanding for less games. I'm all I'm all for it on that from that angle of it. I get the consumer part of it as well, but this angle, this is just too self-absorbed. Yeah, here. Uh, yeah, not my man's either in this one. I don't think it's the fans' fault. I think it's a myriad of other things, including television, including sponsorship, uh, and the fact that we have overly pampered athletes now as opposed to athletes that had to fly coach, not chartered planes, and would still continue to play the full season and come out and play the postseason. Uh, and suddenly we got guys that need to have rest uh, to finish a season and... I don't think it's in any way the fans. But Jalen's is my man, and I do love the point that as long as people say six for six for Jordan and that's why he's the GOAT, if you care at all about your legacy, you care how many championships you win, and this is going to be the path to more championships unless they shorten the season, which doesn't sound like it's going to happen anytime soon. And then, gentlemen, the last one that we have is from uh, Amin Al Hassan. Very, uh, he, he's on ESPN, but there's a lot of NBA who's man's this this one and this one st uh, struck me personally because it's about my man Andrew Wiggins and Amin Hellassen says stop telling me Andrew Wiggins is good he does this every year where he gets off to a hot start and then he fizzles away except this year Andrew Wiggins is playing probably the best he's played in his entire career um well whose man's is this it's uh, definitely not Ryan's that's all I can say about that uh, I don't think that Andrew Wiggins is important enough to have enough of a strong opinion about, to be honest. He's an inconsequential player in the scheme of the machinations of the NBA. So, so I mean, Al Hassan is your man's? No, he, uh, all I can say is that he's not Ryan's man's because he's going after his guy. But again, I don't have a strong enough opinion about Wiggins because he's just is so unimportant in the scope of what I care about in the NBA. Okay, this is a 20-point-per-game score in the NBA. When you are a 20-point-per-game score in the NBA, you are good, plain and simple. Now, has he been what people would hope he would become? Maybe not, but you can't yeah, tell me this man preach. is good. He's not good. He absolutely is good, and there's no way in hell in this case that Amin Al-Hassan is my man's. Yes, there are issues with Andrew Wiggins. You can't tell me this man's not a good basketball player in the NBA. When you're averaging over 20 points per game, you are good. Plain and simple. Mm, I'm in the wrong on this one. Not, not my man's either. And I, I love Amin. All of his ESPN appearances is very funny. He used to work for the Sun, so he brings kind of a unique insight. But this season, Andrew Wiggins, one thing you always have to give him credit for is he plays damn near every single game um, that he's available. He's never hurt. He probably averages like 80 games a season. And, of course, there's only 82. He's playing 35 minutes a game this year and averaging actually 25 and a half points. So uh, a big uptick in his scoring, a big uptick in his field goal percentage as well, hitting 47% from the field. Um, still still bad from three, but he's been able to get to the rim way better this year. Three assists, 4.8 rebounds, uh, both better than his career numbers. And Andrew Wiggins, he's, he's good and he'll always be good to me. But that is all that we have. Until we go to the picks. Bop, bop, bop. That's it for Who's Mans. What a week we had in the picks last week. I mean, everyone, hey. everyone did pretty solid. I went flawless through college, and then Ryan followed it up by going flawless through the NFL, 5-0 and respectively. 
Uh, Dylan, not so shabby either. He went 4-1 and one in college, just missing it. Uh, Alabama did let him down, but that's okay. Um, I, the worst, Matt and Don went 6-4 and four last week, and that was the worst. Very respectable. I went 8-2. I went uh, it was a very good week for pretty much all of us. And that's reflected in the standings period. Ryan is still holding on to a lead by a few games. He's 61-49, and 49, well over 500. Matt is second place, three games back. And then three games back of Matt is Don. And Don's at even 500 throughout the year, although I don't know if it's Don or Don's child that's making these picks. Never really has been clear. But that's where we're at right now. And then me and Dylan are right on his heels a game back, just under 500 are tied. Right, so big stuff happening down the stretch here. We got a lot of weeks of picks left. And talking about big stuff, we have great games all week, college and NFL. There was actually a lot of good stuff to choose from. Uh, one thing that you will note, and it's something that I've never done, but I am doing this week, is I have left the Detroit Lions game off the picks. Now, we always pick the local teams, but the uncertainty around quarterback and the fact that we absolutely have no idea who will be under center, it's worthless to pick that game because it completely comes down to if Matthew Stafford plays or not. So we're going to abstain from that one. So, But starting in college like we always do, we have a game that we've already given a little bit of lip service to, although it was more complaining than breaking down the game. Michigan State travels to Ann Arbor to take on the 15th-ranked Wolverines. And curiously, at least to me, and I think to most people, in this game opened 12-point favor for Michigan. They're 13-and-a-half right now, but still under two touchdowns. No, I, I got to take my team here. Let's go, Michigan State. At least keep it within 13 or within 14. If the spread for Michigan was 20, I would still take it. Michigan is going to be kind, but it's still going to be 31 to 0 or 31 to 7, something like that. I don't know how you pick Michigan State in this situation. Um, I know, I, I know, I know why Ryan wants to. Obviously, I want to as well. Uh, Get a game on y'all. But. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, it's the one place that no matter how bad we are, we still have played well under D'Antonio. So I guess with that lack of logic, I'll go with the Spartans. I mean, I respect you guys for being company men because there's right. no – in Don picked Michigan as well, obviously. Um, A shocker. This one should be unanimous, but I can't begrudge them for out of principle not picking Michigan. I think a more interesting exercise would be gun to your head. How many points would Michigan State have to get for you to actually take them if your like, life depended on it? Um, and I think my number would be probably like 35. Uh, I'm, not that, I'm not that <laughs> far. Again, like we, I don't like think he's going to. I think off cast. Or no, maybe it was on cast. Um, I do think, I don't think Michigan's going to try to run up the score here. But they won, it was on dude, cast. They won by 14 last year. In under much better circumstances for MSU, uh, this game is no. It wasn't better circumstances. It was at Spartan Stadium. No, we don't play stop. well at Spartan Stadium. This game is going to get ugly fast. Uh, by the end of the third quarter, and then we didn't it's have going to be very just playing Rocky out the baby. string. Um, the this baby. one's Michigan all day, and, and it does kind of pain me to say that. We got kind of a rivalry game, although you can argue that Notre Dame has a rivalry with one of 15 teams in uh, college football. <laughs> uh, we got 20, what happens? We've been around since 1776. 23rd ranked Navy 
in the rankings this week, college football playoff rankings. I think they were 24th last week, actually. And they traveled the 16th-ranked Notre Dame, who's been uh, in a little bit of free fall since they got whooped up on in Ann Arbor. But despite that, they're 9.5-point favorites at home. Nah, Notre Dame sucks. Give, give me Navy. Just passing Veterans Day. All, all of the service academies outside of Army, weirdly enough, I mean, they've still been okay. All of them have been they pretty have been decent. Okay. And I think if Navy is going to win this game outright, I will take the midshipman. Okay. I stated earlier that uh, Notre Dame is miserable against the run. And for the most part, if you look at the t- real teams they have played this year, they have given up a ton of yards. Caveat City up in here. Let's go. And Navy is fantastic at rushing the football. And that helps with time of possession, keep the Notre Dame offense off the field. Uh, I will go with the midshipman. Well, I guess me and Don are going to be the lone dissenters because we got to pump up Michigan's strength of schedule. But uh, I just I look at this as a bounce-back game for Notre Dame. And I, as much as I like Navy, I, I think they're a little bit overrated this year. Um, I, I think this is a really important game for Notre Dame. And I just, I think they can get it done. If this was 10 and a half, you'd be looking the other way. But I, I like the spread where it's at. I'm going to take Notre Dame along with Don. Yeah, what looked like for a long time it was going to be a huge matchup in the SEC. But it's one that, in the end, I actually don't see mattering. We've got fourth-ranked Georgia, currently in that projected playoff field, travels to 12th-ranked Auburn. They're three-point road favorites. How does it not matter if Georgia's in the playoff? Because they're not going to um, be in the playoff ones. I'll send them to get with, waxed by LSU. All right. With uh, with Auburn at home, give me the Tigers in this spot. Bring Alabama back in uh, back in the college football playoff rankings. <laughs> While my own little Tiger is uh, trying to rub up against my mic right now, I cannot take Bo Nix and the Tigers in the spot. I will take Georgia. Uh, yeah, I think Georgia's brief entrance into the college football playoff ends this weekend. Uh, I got the Tigers in this one. Oh, wild in the hell out. Georgia's not that not been that impressive. They just haven't. I think Auburn has. That's a wild in part. So once again, dissenting are me and Don. Although we, at least we got Dylan along for the ride this time. Uh, I'm all what the hell. I'm all about Georgia. I mean, I don't. I like I said, I don't think Georgia should be in the top five. But Auburn is super overrated. Bo Nix is super overrated. And it's only three points, and I, Georgia's not going to have another letdown. They have to win out, and not only do they have to win out, but they have to look good doing it. They have to make their case to make the college football playoff. So I expect them to go into Auburn, to the fake Tigers, and just absolutely steamroll them. If three or five of you agree, that's not a dissenting opinion. Uh, <laughs> Don's not on the cast, and you guys went back-to-back with your Georgia hate, so you can suck me. I think. Uh, we have. That's not true. We're gonna Dylan went in between us. Continue to row the boat. <laughs> Minnesota. It's not his brightest moment. Shut up. I don't care. I don't care. It shows how much I pay attention to you guys. Shows in your picks. Minnesota has leaped all the way up from 17 to 8 in the latest CFP ranking, cementing the fact that all they have to do is win out to shockingly. Uh, make the playoffs, but that's going to be easier said than done because I'm going to give you guys a little hint. Minnesota is going to be on these picks a lot the next few weeks, and it starts with heading to Iowa, 20th-ranked Iowa City. They're three-point dogs to the Hawkeyes, and it's only because of Iowa's mystical beat top 10 teams at home. That's the only explanation for this. They couldn't get it done against Penn State earlier this year. Is this week going to be different? 
it scares me so much that Minnesota's number eight because I thought they could use like only a slight bump and get up to twelve and use that as disrespect to fuel them the the rest of the year, at least this game. I just don't think Iowa's that good. Definitely not good enough to be favored. So if you're gonna give me the better team and give me points with it, I'm gonna go ahead and take Minnesota for the outright win. So to just recant and make myself a little happier and sadder about Spartan years of yesteryear, uh, in 2011, Michigan State had a very similar type of game against a Wisconsin top-ranked team, and then the very next week, they got shut out 20 to bagel against Rex Burkhead in Nebraska, and the spread was very similar. However, I think this Minnesota team is focused, and they have a better coach at the moment. Uh, I am going to take the Golden Gophers to have focus and overcome not a night game in the Water Tower Magic. Uh, I see Minnesota putting up 30 points regularly against teams, and I don't think Iowa has enough firepower to stay with them. Uh, despite how decent their defense is, uh, I will definitely be rowing the boat this weekend. Don is rowing the boat, and that makes it a clean sweep. I think we got enough people to row a whole freaking raft up in here. Because Minnesota's going to go take Raps care of business. I don't know how the hell Iowa's favorite in this game. But... <laughs> he did a good job. Come on. I thought he did a good job with that. Man. So negative. No respect. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I, just, I don't know how Iowa's favorite in this game. I, I don't care where the game I, It could be played on the moon. Minnesota. Yeah, up down theory. Minnesota That's has absolutely it. proved that they belong in this conversation. Regardless, I, I don't care if they lose the next two and get slotted by Ohio State. They have earned their due this year, and they're going to win this game. It's absolute disrespect that they're not favored in it. We got two teams in the Big 12 that could still make the playoff, but they're not in a great spot. And to do so, they're going to have to beat each other twice. And this is the first of what will probably be two matchups between. We got 10th ranked Oklahoma, one loss Oklahoma, traveling to undefeated 9 and 0 yet only 13th-ranked Baylor. And to add to the disrespect, undefeated at-home Baylor is a 10-point dog. In the Ravens game this past Sunday, they brought out what was deemed the Heisman formation with Mark Ingram, <laughs> Lamar Jackson, and Robert Griffin III. Robert Griffin III, of course, went to Baylor, won the Heisman there. So we're going to go ahead and take the Bears in their first statement game against what will be both of their wins against Oklahoma. Much like Tristan Thompson, when he is dribbling a basketball, the Oklahoma Sooners in their run game are just going to shove the Bears all over the floor, all over the field. Oklahoma is going to be winning by two scores. At least that run game is legit with Jalen Hurts. I will take Boomer Sooner. You know, Baylor, while being undefeated, has been in tight games throughout most of the year. Uh, Oklahoma has not looked that impressive against teams throughout this year. Have blown big leads. Uh, Iowa State fought their way back into it last week. Uh, had a game against Kansas that was forgettable. And you've got a confident Baylor team at home, a double-digit underdog. Uh, I'm with Ryan on this one. I'm going to go with the Bears. Dylan's the only one that thinks the Bears are getting punked in this one. Uh, I'm not particularly impressed by either of these teams. And... Baylor, last week was pretty rough. But this is, I mean, this kind of feels like Minnesota's game last week. This is everything for them. And if you, you got this game at home, you're undefeated. If you can't even be competitive in it against the Oklahoma team that is not the Oklahoma team of the past, 
against the Oklahoma team you should be able to put up Buko points on. You gotta keep this within ten. I have to pick the Bears in this one. And we're flipping over to the NFL and in our first game we got a couple changes under center. The Jacksonville Jaguars are reintroducing quarterback Nick Foles, Super Bowl champion to the starting lineup. And they are facing the Indianapolis Colts on the road. And we all know that Andrew Luck had to get replaced earlier this year when he decided he was good and he was piecing out from the team. The Colts are at home. They're three-point favorites. And this is a kind of important battle for the AFC South. Do we know Jacoby Brissett's playing? Thank or is you. it Brian Hoyer again? I believe Brissett was expected to play. But I, huh. I, I guess I don't have confirmed. Hang on. The that, spread that would t- the well. spread would the, to be fair. I think the spread would tell you that they think Brissett. Correct. Playing. That I would one hundred percent agree with that. I thought I was pretty sure Brissett was expected to come back to this. I mean, I know you get a I know you get a three point cushion just for being at home. But if it's Nick Foles' first start back, you would think it would swing in Jacksonville's direction. So, well, he felt like he could play last week. Go ahead and throw him in this week. Jacksonville is not very good. I'll take the Colts. Uh, this game is awful. I wish it was more of a push. Um, I don't like either of these teams, just as when we had talked about the playoffs previously. I knew Indianapolis was not nearly as good as what they had seemed like. Neither of these teams are winners, but I will take Indianapolis at least for a day. I picked the Colts to be involved in the playoffs when we talked about the playoff stuff because y'all were hating on them and going for Houston. But Big Dick Nick's back. I don't know how I go against Big Dick Nick. <laughs> you can't go against Big Dick Nick, even though Don, former Arizona Wildcat, Big Dick and Nick, Michigan State, yeah, and Michigan, Michigan State Spartan. That, that's just hitting all of Matt's buttons. It's, it's just uh, gives me a warm, tingly <laughs> finger. One, feeling one Jim Schwartz is uh, his Super Bowl. <laughs> Don Don did go against Big Dick Nick, but I'm feeling my Peter Tingle. Uh, this one is just <laughs> oh, God, so bad, so good. I know, but it's so bad. Like, it's just so good. Uh, I, I love that. I, I think Jacksonville's not nearly as bad as people Come think. On, and I was all about Minshew Mania just because it's pretty XD. But I, I think there's a big spot for him. Uh, I think Jacoby Brissett will play. Um, if he doesn't, more power to this pick for Jacksonville. But I think this is a game that they're going to lean on Leonard Fournette. And I think they're really going to get the play action going with Nick Foles, who can actually hit. Shots down the field. I think DJ Chark's going to have a really big game, and I certainly think they cover the spread, if not pull an upset this week. This one is going to be really hard for Ryan to pick because we have two black dual-threat QBs playing. But I'm pretty sure I still know where he's going with this one. Houston and Deshaun Watson travel to take on fighting Lamar Jacksons, and at home, Baltimore is a four-point favorite. I do think Baltimore will win this game. I'm mad that I don't know if they're flexing games now that they didn't flex it to Sunday night and still got to watch the trash-ass Bears. But this Houston-Baltimore game, I'm just holding out so much hope that it's like the Chiefs-Rams game that we had last year that was 54-51. And if it does mirror that score, then this spread will go in Houston's favor. So I'm going to take Houston to cover. I do think Baltimore wins, though. But I'm so excited to, to watch this game. Come hell or high water. Put it on again. I'm very disappointed in Ryan not following his convictions. Again, I am so on the Lamar Jackson train now. He's just impressed me so much, as has this team. I love that running with a fullback is back in vogue, and Houston is just a poor man's version of Baltimore, so I will take Baltimore to cover. Uh, I don't believe in Houston's defense, 
And I think John Harbaugh is going to just win this coaching matchup handily. So I will go with the Ravens. Dylan kind of hit the nail on the head when he said Houston's a poor man's version of Baltimore. I agree with that a lot. But this is a game I got a feeling. Uh, Houston is coming off a bye. They've had extra time to prepare for this. Baltimore's coming off a big emotional win. I think Houston surprised a lot of people in this game. And if not win it, certainly keep it close late. Uh, I'm going to take Houston with the points in this one. Time out. J- just for all of you guys, why do you guys keep thinking that Baltimore beat New England last week? They didn't. I didn't say last both, week. Both you I mean, was, well, both you and... I didn't, I didn't well, say last week. No, Matt said it before when we were talking about championships and stuff, too. He he said that Baltimore beat New England last week. It was two weeks ago. They played... I'm aware, but I just don't know why y'all keep saying that. It matters. Like it. Up down. Suck me. Come on, Luke. Don did pick Baltimore. Uh, Speaking of the New England team that did not lose to Baltimore last week, uh, they are. What the hell? (laughs) Stop it. You did it again. Did you not hear me? You said the team that the Baltimore team that beat New England last week again. The team that did not lose to Baltimore last week. All right, whatever. Move on. Anyway, that New England team that did not lose to Baltimore last week is traveling to Big Dick Nick's former team, the Philadelphia Eagles, who have been super up-down this year, and New England is a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Uh, what the hell? Give me a give me a, re, a redux of the Super Bowl, if you will. I'll take the Eagles in this one in big gym shorts. I hate the spreads for the NFL right? this week, by and large. And this is one of them. Uh, I'll take Philadelphia to cover, but New England's going to win this game. But, I, God, I hate the spreads. There's no team in the NFL that bounces back from a loss in a dramatic way than the New England Patriots. And I see no difference with two weeks to prepare for the game. Dylan, he did it again. What do you mean? He said they had two weeks to prepare. He said with two weeks to prepare for the game. No, never mind. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots to cover. I'm on the wrong side of these next three spreads, which is really frustrating, but it also kind of makes me feel good about them because key numbers often are not as key as people think. I'm all about the Patriots on this one. They're going to remind everybody just why they've been Super Bowl favorites and been there so many times. I think this one's going to be an absolute ass-kicking in Philadelphia, and people are really going to start to question Carson Wentz, even though it's not really his fault. I don't know if Dylan's excited to see this game on the picks or just sad. No. That's not an answer. Chicago Bears do play a relevant game <laughs> this week. Uh, they're traveling to L.A., and I don't know who's going to have more fans, fans here, but the Rams, even after last week's atrocity, are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home, in quotation marks, against Chicago. Six-and-a-half is a lot, but... Much like the the stigma of Kirk Cousins, I don't trust Mitch Tabriskie. You know, prime time Sunday night football on the road. For that reason alone, I think he's good for about three touchdowns the Rams way. I'm going to take Los Angeles in this game and lay the points. Uh, much in the same way as I did with, with Mark D'Antonio, I am a bad fan. But I need Mitch Trubisky to be so embarrassed that he can't turn the TVs off and he gets the hell out of Hallis Hall. I will take the Rams. 
I don't trust either one of these quarterbacks for a lick. They both have just been completely disappointing. Uh, one has had a great offense around him and not been able to know what the hell to do with it, uh, although O-line has not been fantastic. I do like both these defenses, uh, but I like the Bears' defense more, and I think six and a half is a little much. Um, I, you know, I could see the Rams winning this game in something like a 26-23 fashion, uh, so I will go with the Bears. I thought I was going to be the lone dissenter, but Matt had to ruin it. Uh, I mean, I feel a lot about the same that Matt does, but the Rams' offense is broken, and a lot of this stems from paying a gazillion dollars to Todd Gurley and then Todd Gurley's knees deciding they don't want to do things that knees are supposed to do, uh, regardless of what comes out of the Rams' talking heads. I don't trust Mitch in this spot, especially with Jalen Ramsey starting to get more ingrained into the defense and the defense is playing better, but this offense is so absurdly broken. To pick them by a touchdown over what is a very good defense in Chicago, I, I absolutely cannot do it. Speaking of broken, the Kansas City Chiefs have not been what pretty much anyone expected them to be this year, and then Mahomes literally got broken. Kansas City, in what is a huge game for both teams, both narrative-wise and just moving forward. The Chargers needed to stay in the playoff race. Kansas City needs it for any semblance of the fact that they can re-jump up to contender status again. The Kansas City Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in L.A., I think. Pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> it is on the road. I, I expect Kansas City to come out and just bomb on the Chargers and kind of have a, a restatement game, if you will, and it doesn't hurt, of course, that I have a lot of uh, a lot of Chiefs stock in my fantasy lineups. So with my head and my heart and my guts, let's go with the Chiefs. Well, Ryan was on the wrong side of getting that Kansas City stock. Well, I was on the plus side by getting Austin Eckler, who is going to remind Ryan why it was stupid to trade him away. So I will take the Bolts. The Chiefs' defense is so bad. Like, I can see the Chargers actually being able to take advantage of it. But the Chargers are so goddamn inept that I can just see them continue to shoot themselves in the frickin' foot again. So sad. So, it really is. I feel terrible for the Bolts and all their fans down in San Diego because they have no fans in Los Angeles. Uh, So, I will go with the Chefs. This is the hardest game for me to pick. I could very much see the Chargers coming out the way they came out against Green Bay. But I can also also see Kansas City being like, hey, we actually don't suck, guys. We should probably do something. These games are usually pretty close. I hate the three-and-a-half number. I really despise it. But uh, the Chargers have let me down so many times this year. Uh, Let me down by making me wrong, but right at the same time. I'm going to take Kansas City in this one. And that concludes our picks for the week. Hopefully we all do as wonderful as we did last week. And that concludes our podcast as well. If you want to send us out, Matt and Ryan. Ryan, do the thing. So go ahead and follow us on Podbean, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Sports Carnage Podcast on Facebook, Sports Carnage on Twitter. Type in Sports Carnage Podcast in your Google search bar and let it take you to where wherever it may go. You can go to like Podchaser. There's a trillion different websites that we're on. So you can find us pretty much anywhere um you know except for spotify but yeah review rate subscribe comment see us on youtube all of our social medias 
Again, just just go listen and listen back.